What is happening, Not After 30 podcast listeners and likers of the Awkward Throw Clear? I am your host, Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cabra. This is episode 32. My guest today, or in this episode, I guess, that wasn't today, it was recorded a while ago, uh, is Lane Palmer, a good buddy of mine. Uh, we met in Australia, actually, around nine years ago to this date. So leading up to St. Patrick's Day is when we met in Airlie Beach, Queensland, Australia. Uh, a lot of fun we had, met a lot of people, and yeah, Lane and I have been some of the, the few that I've met on my travels that I've kept in touch with. Lane's a great guy, uh, very well educated, very well read. Um, <clears throat> throughout the podcast, you'll hear him and I discuss about our uh, traveling adventures, what we've been up to, well, what he's been up to more, so you hear from me every, every two weeks or so, uh, what he's been up to in the last nine years, and what has been keeping him busy more so. So... Uh, he's been doing a lot of studying of uh, ideologies and political um, you know, stances and stuff like that. And for the political correctness sensitive folk, this might be um, you know, not the best podcast to listen to, but all I do is ask you to come in with an open mind. What Lane is saying isn't you know, um, you know, gospel or written in stone or anything like that. It's just him thinking about things and coming up with ideas and you know, bouncing ideas off of, uh, or taking ideas from other people and just presenting them to me. And, you know, some of them are good. Some of them, you know, I don't agree with, but that's the beauty of, you know, debate and discussion. You know, I don't take everything that everyone says and I'm like, oh yeah, I believe that totally. No, it's, we have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, I have warned people and we kind of elaborate throughout the podcast. So, uh, go go into this one with a bit of an open mind. It is a long one. It's two hours. So, uh, this one might be a marathon one for you <clears throat> if you only have like 30 minutes or 20 minutes a day to listen to podcasts. So uh, hopefully you ha- enjoy it and you have a lot of fun. But I really th- had a lot of fun recording this. Lane is a very energetic guy. He's very passionate. And, you know, it's, he's just a great guy to talk to. I love Him and I will talk for hours and hours and hours. And I felt like we were talking for 20 minutes, you know. And then we realized, oh, shit, there's six beers in front of us. And uh, we've already finished all of them. And it's uh, midnight when we started recording at 8. So... Yeah, hopefully you guys have a good time, get lost in this podcast. Um, you know, people that we mentioned in this podcast, maybe check them out. Jordan Peterson's one for sure. Um, yeah, have fun. And this is episode two, Lane Palmer. <coughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, au- the, <coughs> the Awkward Throat Clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. That go. That went well. Yep. Lost those tapes. I'm really upset about it. What 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 was he doing? Like, where was he from? What do you mean? Where was he from? Like, was yeah. he was he like from England in the war? No, yeah, Canada, Canada. And he was he did one of the, some of the most tours over uh, Germany out of any other bomber. And, oh, he was uh, a bomber pilot. Yeah. And so it was like you know obviously many years later, and I was like 11 years old, mm-hmm. and then I interviewed him, and and uh, yeah, he just kind of spilled the beans on the war and apparently he had never talked about it before really and uh wow. it was like a long form interview and we had all these tapes and i had all these questions prepared beforehand and then uh he died and my mom kind of put the tapes away and and i think my aunt took them to to listen to them and uh you know for nostalgia's sake and everything and now she claims that you know she never had them and then my other aunt says she doesn't have them and so they've gone missing and it's like oh my fucking got them <laughs> yeah i know and for me it's just like I was 11 when I had that interview with my grandfather. It's like kind of this whole thing we put together and I've been looking forward to hearing those for quite some time. And it seemed like to me, it's, they're just priceless. And I just mm-hmm. can't believe that somebody would, would let those go, you yeah. know? So 
I'm sure they'll, they'll turn up one day, but yeah, yeah was, uh, the story is just unreal. Like oh, there, was, yeah. there was a time where uh, he was on the gun and uh, he was flying towards another, uh, I guess, Luftwaffe plane with Germans. And they both had the guns aimed at each other and then they met eyes. Like you saw, they both saw the whites of each other's eyes and didn't mm-hmm. shoot and just passed each other by in the air. Um, just incredible, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he regrets yeah. that decision too because the guy was heading to London probably, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know how many how many allies died because he let that guy go? And that guy's probably thinking, you know, how many Germans died because I let that guy go? Yeah. But you have that like kind of human connection and it's just, you hear that about that more and you just kind of realize that like people are kind of just like pawns, you know what I mean? They're, they're oh, completely. Whole, yeah, like I'm sure you heard thing. about the the Christmas yep. truce during World War One as well. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why, you know, like we had a conversation yesterday about war, and I'm just like, well, fuck, like, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Hoo, ha, say it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've been recording. Uh, oh, great. Wow. You're <laughs> I, always like to, I like to sneak. I like to sneak. Uh, yeah, so this I is like that, though, because there was no nervousness. That's good. Yep. Yeah. No nervousness. Uh, yeah, there's no awkward start to mm-hmm. it. Or, you know, always ask with a question and just... Here we go. Anthony. Exactly. Anthony's a master at that. You sneaky bastards. Oh, this is I was Aaron. about to spill my deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me that time in Thailand. Uh, this is Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupacabra. I'm here with a good friend of mine, uh, Lane, Lane Palmer. Don't get that one letter mixed up. Uh, Lane Palmer. I met him when I was in Australia um, so many years ago. It's... It's a decade nine, ago. Nine now. years ago, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we've kept in touch loosely ever since. Um, we met in Airly Beach. We did. Yep. Do you remember the name of the hostel by chance? Ooh. My entire Australia experience is just a huge swirl. So I'm really hoping if we talk about Australia that I'll get a bit of a timeline from you because yeah. for me, it's just a hodgepodge of crazy memories. Yeah. Well, I, I won't remember the dates ex- exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I, Well, we were all together for St. Patrick's Day, I believe. We were indeed, yes. Yeah, that was yeah, also that was Airly, Airly Beach. Because yeah. I remember being dressed up in green. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I forget the name of the hostel, but we were in the loft. which was Well, most of us were in the loft. Uh, the Danish girls, Louisa and Shanetta, were in their own room. I believe Simon and Brittany were in their own room. I think too. we had that 18 other... from Quebec. Exactly. We had like 18 other people in the room we were sleeping in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think the, the beds was like 18 or, or whatever. And then there was myself, uh, Andy, you, Sam... Uh, Kyle, aka Koala. Uh, he slept a lot. Anton, Ollie, and I think Chris was up there too with us. Chris Winward. I believe so. And then there was the the uh, that European tour that was kind of mm-hmm. leaving and coming and going with us a little bit there too. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was a while ago. That was uh, the spring, I guess March spring, um, two thousand and ten. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> and we stayed together, and we had a bit of a convoy up up to the coast of Australia there together, and because we had a hurricane come our way, <laughs> yeah, we had to we had to scramble real fast there. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, very very. Fun. I kind of wanted to stay to be honest. I thought it'd be kind of an interesting experience. Of I heard it was a hell of a fucking experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the first time I've ever been to a grocery store and then walked into like the water aisle section, and all the water was removed. And I was like, holy crap! Like people are like battering down the hatches. Like, yeah. And the whole grocery store was cleared out of supplies and everything. Yeah, so. and we were like, yeah. well, the, 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 the word that I remember was either it was going to roll down and hit early or it was going to roll up and go to cans. Mm-hmm. And we kind of felt that it wasn't going to hit cans. And we're like, well, let's just get a convoy going on. I had my car. You had your car. And then Ollie had a van. Oh, the van. The yeah. Yep. The yeah. famous van. <laughs> and I think that's what uh, took the 13 of us, I guess. That, that was the number 13 or was it 11? 
We'll go with 13. 13? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good number. Because then we had, you know, people joined our group in a sense too. And I think we had a bit of a convoy going on there for a while. I think yeah. by the time we got to Fraser Island, we were quite a substantial group at that point. Well, that was before me. That was before you. I thought, yeah. oh yeah. Right. Did, did you this be, is what I mean, the hodgepodge of memories. Yeah, well, it, make, it makes sense because <laughs> yeah. Fraser Island is mm-hmm. south of Early Beach. It is, so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you have people that kind of tagged along with you up there? Because you met Brittany and Simon and then... Um, like the, the group that went you with you guys, mm-hmm. you met Ollie there yes. at Fraser, and then you had Anton join you, and then it was you, Sam, and Kyle that were traveling together? Yeah, they, they came to right into Sydney. Uh, I was in Australia for about a month and a half beforehand by myself and did kind of the Melbourne Blue Mountains loop and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I met, picked them up, and then we eventually met you know, Anton right off the bat there. They had met him at the hostel in Sydney, and... What a guy. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it would be an interesting thing to get into Anton because I, I think he's become kind of a legendary character in my life well, that I talk about quite frequently. <laughs> I'm also curious to see like yeah. how, how his life has changed because he's got two girls now, I think. Mm-hmm. Two little girls. He's become quite the responsible guy. And yeah. he's married to a woman from Costa Rica, I think? Guatemala. I Guatemala. Yes, mm-hmm. Guatemala. That's right. That's right. And so, the last time I saw Anton in person, I visited him in Sweden. I stayed with him in his family home. And uh, just oh, you stayed with him? I did, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, he had met her for about a two-week period while he was in Guatemala because yeah. he was traveling. And he, he came home and, and you know, Anton, he just he gets these things in his head where it's just like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And like <laughs> I was trying just to be like a bit of a, like a friction buffer to him and his aspirations because he would get all these things in his head all the time about all these things he wanted to do. He wanted to become a professional surfer at one point and... And you know, it's just like he was a hell of a Viking in the Viking he, times. Exactly, he and like been, he's a huge yeah. motherfucker, huge as well. bald guy. He's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a what do you call it when you shake a little bit? He's got a bit twitch. of a, a twitch. Yeah, yeah, he's got a twitch. Um, and the reason why he had that, and he was he was open about it, was he used to huff, he used to sniff uh, gasoline fumes when he was a child. Things we do when we're a kid. Yeah, yeah. So he Wait, a, what, he's yeah. not from Stockholm, is he? Uh, no. Uh, he's from like a place I think it's called Groningen again or something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, it was you know quite yeah quite nice. All six foot five people walking around there. Yeah. Was, actually, comes from a really nice home. His parents are very friendly, a really nice family home, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so no, we meet this guy, you know, Anton. Um, sure, why don't you hop in the car that I bought? Why not? The more the merrier. Split the gas money. And and uh, <laughs> you got that. So uh, the mm. thing with Australia and yeah. a lot of other places is that when you buy it, a lot of the time, a lot of the times the rego registration oh, is God. up. So you have yeah. to get it serviced or and then um, uh, inspected. Places like South Australia and West Australia, you don't. So that's why a lot of people do their, like, if you see a lot of people selling cars all the time, they have West Australia or mm-hmm. uh, South Australia plates. You, I believe, had New South Wales plates or Victoria plates. New South Wales. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had West Australia plates. So when I was selling my car, I had a really hard time because the registration was coming up and they would have to get inspected. And unless you drove to South Australia because that's a closer state, then it would be difficult to uh, get the registration for it because there were things wrong with that car. Well, it's a good thing you even knew about registration to begin with, because I did not do my research. I just thought, you know... <laughs> As an 18-year-old? Australia is just like Canada. I got the insurance, I bought the car, and I went. we went for a drive. And it ended up being one of the most costly things ever. I, I, I mean, I never paid for any of the fines or anything, but... Um, and I'm sure you learned very quickly that mm-hmm. if you buy registration, you it comes with automatic third-party insurance. Oh, great. Well... You didn't know about that? <laughs> no. Oh, God. I didn't know about any of this. I, I, I had yeah. to clear, clear mm-hmm. that with a, a police officer when I was in Queensland. Actually, I was in Early Beach, and I like walked up to this cop, and I was like, I've been having an argument with some guys. If I have registration, it comes with third-party insurance, right? And the cops are like, yeah, it does, totally. So I had a good laugh about that. I'm like, okay, explain that to me. Well, it means that if you hit somebody, 
all their stuff is covered, but you're not covered and the car isn't covered. So you have insurance that comes with the registration, but it's very like low. So I had the one, I had the additional insurance, the one, the regular one that would cover yourself. And that's as well. fine. That's fine. And well, I thought I which was good yeah. for an 18 year old and his crazy friends. Exactly. Yeah. So I had this car. We got this, uh, you know, this crazy suite in there, covered in tattoos. Um, I think one of the later on, I found out that he had a bunch of. I guess it was like these Chinese guys that were laughing at him because his tattoos said something that he didn't think they said. He was one of those guys. You know, he had, this, he had a Chinese tattoo on his arm, the arm sleeve, and yeah. apparently they wrote idiot on his arm or something. <laughs> so uh, we travel north from Sydney and we stay at Newcastle the first night. And mm-hmm. uh, I barely even know the guy. And uh, we get into our hostel and we're in there pretty late and, you know, crawling to bed and everything. And Kyle's the last one into the room. He was one of my good friends that came with us. And of course there's a homeless guy sleeping on his bed with his dentures out on the pillow and all the little cleaning tools for that. And Kyle's all upset and, and everything. And as you would and be, yeah, would Anton be got too drunk. Um, and as he was he like would. eating a Mars bar and there's like this chocolate going down his chin. And there's this poor girl in the room with us and he hops into bed with her and like puts his arm around her and she's just frozen, stiff, terrified. And so we're like, Anton, get out of there, man. Like Jesus. Um, so I'm like, oh, you know, first impressions of this guy, <laughs> kind of interesting. And yep. next day we kind of, we go for a walk down to the beach and, uh, we have our breakfast muffins and he takes one big bite of the muffin, swallows it and starts to choke on it. <laughs> and it's like, this is my second experience with him. He's choking on the muffin. He's looking at me with these big wide eyes and I have to run up and Heimlich maneuver him. <laughs> <laughs> so if anything, it was quite entertaining with that guy. And, uh, but no, as I got to know him, I, I realized he's, he's got a really big heart. He's got a huge, heart. a huge heart. He's a, he's not ex- just because he's a giant, but uh, you know, excellent like, guy. And, uh, pretty much most of the memorable stories from that trip just, you know, involved, involved Anton getting yeah. into some really insane shenanigans. Um, but now he's, you know, later on now he's quite responsible. He's married this woman from Guatemala. He's got two kids. Yeah. Uh, when I went and visited him, he was trying to learn Spanish badly. And he was talking about how he had no money, but he's going to go back to Guatemala and he's going to marry her and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, Anton, man, you got to slow down. Like you just met her for two weeks. <clears throat> I kind of regret, you know, giving him that advice now a little bit because he ended up doing exactly what he said he was going to do. So, um, I just didn't want him to get hurt. What the fuck him. do you know? Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> Next, you know, I learned, okay, well, you know, people say that, you know, there's things they want to do and, you know, let them do it. Um, we were talking about, uh, Fraser Island, which is, uh, it's like this gigantic sandbar off the coast of, uh, I think it's Queensland, I hope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. My, my geographical knowledge of Australia has uh, <laughs> lost me. As other Queensland, or it's like yep. just close to the border for uh, New South Wales. And we were one of the last tours allowed on the island without escorts. Uh, I think it's because they had these, these kind of wild dogs there that would harass people, the dingoes. And uh, fantastic time. It was pretty amazing. We were driving around the island and you know, partying and, uh, bonfires and the like. And there's like, you, you run on the beach and you look into the water and there's the bioluminescence and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just really an amazing place. But, uh, two nights in a row when we all went to sleep, you know, Anton again, too drunk, wake up and just hear him screaming. I'm like, what the heck? What is Anton doing? And we you know, get up just to check on him. And there he is running down the beach with a dingo on his heels, looking behind him, turns around and runs flat into the side of the Jeep, <laughs> pretty much knocking himself out cold. Uh, just, you know, not even surprised anymore at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next night, same thing happens again. He's in the back of the Jeep this time with a dingo nipping at his heels. Yeah. It's like the number one piece of advice was don't go out at night on your own because of the dingoes, right? Yeah. So, oh, I just, he's just a funny guy. So, 
It's fun to reminisce about and, him. Yeah, I, was, I recall being uh, with him a couple times, and he got hammered, and it's just like, oh, God, Anton's hammered. He's got that mean look in his eye. He was arguing with Ollie one time, yeah. and it's just about nothing. He's like, what do you mean about that? I can't remember. Uh, man, uh, the, the time with you guys is such a blur. Like, I remember things during the day, but I don't even remember, like, partying that much. Like, I like I remember we had that one big kitchen party. It's because that's all we did was party. Yeah. No, that's all. <laughs> the entire time of Pisa was just one big party. But, like, I don't remember, like, what bars in Early Beach we went to or uh, when we were in Cannes. Like, the only the only thing I remember about Cannes when we went out. We went to the club. We went to the, the, the Woolshed Club where you got in free. I need to I, – I, I did a big blog. Like a written blog on, oh, my, on my travels, and so I'm gonna have to a lot of it's there. And I, I will need to read that. Uh, mm-hmm. There was, there was a blog, the blog site that it was on, kept sending me emails about you know how they're taking their thing down. I thought it was just spam, but I'll have to see if my my thing is still there. And at least I have a hard copy. Uh, my dad would print them off and then send them to my great uncle and great aunt in, oh, nice. in Bancroft. Right on. Yeah, uh, Bancroft. I guess is how you want to pronounce it, but there's no G in it, so. Um, so yeah, like, I guess I could always go with that, you know, back in the day, but, uh, if I, if I, if I can't find, um, if I can't find the, uh, the actual, uh, the blog site again, but yeah, like there was the Woolshed pub and you got, it was $10 entry, $10 Australian, uh, to get in unless you arrive at a certain time or you had a football jersey on like a uh, soccer premier league or whatever. And so I wore my man new jersey out that night. And uh, <laughs> thankfully it was in England because, you know, like, I'm sure soccer hooligans would have had a great time with me. But, uh, yeah, I was able to get in no problem. Now, I also wanted to ask you a question here. Um, from your trip in Australia, your time in Australia, are there any songs that, like, you hear and you're like, hey, that's Australia right there. That reminds me of being in Australia. Like, oh, for me, yeah. the clubs, all the things. Because you know how you go to a club and they're always playing the same shit music. I like, think it was the first time... Well, it's not so much the club music. It was more so. It was the first time I ever heard "Little Lion Man" was on the road in in Australia with Mumford and Sons. That's what it was leading yeah. up to, because of the Woolshed Pub. Exactly. You would go onto these mm-hmm. tables, and they were super built, reinforced, mm-hmm. like drilled oh, into the I floor. That. And we yes. all got up yeah, on the tables. They encouraged yeah. it, and they're like, "Yeah, get up on the tables and dance. Like, fucking just I remember you know, this place. pound yeah. your feet on the tables." Mm-hmm. So we all got up, and they're yeah. pounding our feet against these giant tables to little line man and we're just having the greatest time of our lives and that is that, like that's a song that totally reminds me of it Australia does, it, it like, does I hear it well. and I'm just like yeah. that's Australia and like not the whole album mm-hmm. just that one song because that was yeah. the big hit that came out I find people are starting to rag on Mumford and Sons they're kind of getting like a Nickelback reputation almost well, and for me it's still like it's because of that time and that song I have a very strong connection just mm-hmm. to that it, it's attached to like you know a time and place for me right yeah well, and, and I understand. you enjoyed it you exactly the big yeah, and like, everybody enjoyed Kings it Kings of Leon right? came out and I yeah. fucking hated that no, shit no I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Kings of Leon anyways either, and those, those, the, those two songs yeah. were super huge when we were in Australia Exactly. Well. Sex on Fire. The other one that I remember is that it's like that Firefly song. Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I hear yeah. that, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of Coral Bay because I used to. Exactly. Uh, that yeah. and Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Oh, Bad Romance. Oh, and New York. That New York. New na, 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 York. Yeah. <laughs> that one was in the club every LaRue single time. LaRue Bulletproof. Too. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm a bee. 
we're really dating ourselves here, aren't we? Yep, certainly, <laughs> certainly. And like those yeah. songs, I'm still like, yeah, they, they are not around. That, that was so long. 2009. Yeah, <laughs> 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 dead, oh my god. Uh, but that uh, that just takes me back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to those moments at Coral Bay, which is on the west coast. Uh, if you if you ever, I never it, made it there. You no, know, like, and it's it's amazing. So mm-hmm. Coral Bay had this reef called Ningaloo Reef, and it was like a two minute swim away, opposed to the Great Barrier Reef being like mm-hmm. a two hour boat ride. And you could get snorkel gear uh, and just go out there and just check it out. I think I've already talked about this uh, in a previous podcast, so I won't get into it too much. But gorgeous place. And at the, the I worked at the hostel, um, just like working for my accommodation. So I'd work like two hours and I'd get a free night stay. Oh, right on. So, but it, what would happen is they put like the top 40 on. So you see all the thing. Like I, at one point, I knew how to do the bad romance dance. <laughs> There's a bad romance dance. Is yeah. There? Oh, I'll show you on the YouTube video. Uh, I'd be careful right with that. This Lady Gaga, you might be doing some sort of weird conjuring <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And then there was that Firefly song. I remember that too. Yeah. Uh, that I, I really didn't like that one. That was really annoying. And I want to say there's another one that really bothered me too that I really hated. I don't think it was Pink. I think it was something else. I can't remember. But yeah, those are, those are the songs you heard all the time. And the big one for me was Florence and the Machine. Uh, uh-huh. She she was big coming out then, and my buddy yep. Andy, uh, who you met, uh, he he really showed that to me, and we listened to it all the time. I think we must have listened to that like three times a day for three months, and we never got tired of it. So whenever that, that's my that is my road trip song to like, uh, or whenever I listen to that whole album, I'm just like taken back to Northern Territory, Queensland, Western Australia, all that kind of stuff. So right on. it's unreal. It is. It's so cool how like a, uh-huh. a song. Or an album can really take you to like a certain mood or time or, you know, just a memory or something like that. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I don't really feel like I've had a similar experience since Australia, to be honest. Like I've traveled. I lived in, in Europe for two years. Uh, but there's more responsibility tied into that. And you get a little bit older. And I was trying to really get a foothold in, in, in Germany. I had a, a German girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. and trying to learn the language and eventually go to university there. And I'm just thinking, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like 28 now, right? It's like, I would really like to have one more big kind of crazy adventure again mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, you know, I know I got a full-time job and everything benefits two, two, two weeks of the year, holidays and yeah. everything. So it's like, it starts, you start to get kind of anchored down after a little while. And, yeah. and uh, you know, is, is Australia, is that going to be it? That's going to be <clears> my, <throat> my big, crazy, tr- you know, travel experience. And when I was there, we were like the youngest ones, like... I mean, there are you guys people. were young. We were yeah. young. Like, yeah. were, like, I'm we were, two years older than you. So yeah. like at 20, I was like, oh, I know things that you don't. But it was just interesting because like I think a lot of the people, like, I think Ollie was already like 28, 29 at the time. So, you know, we're not too old that we couldn't have a, a similar experience again. Just maybe with a different head on our shoulders a little bit, a little more wisdom. Oh, completely. Well, um, and like, mind you, I do mm. these kind of trips quite often. <laughs> like, just, like not to the point where I I, I'm you. gone. I'm yeah. gone for um, like, because when I went to New Zealand, Australia, that was my mm-hmm. biggest trip ever. Uh, and probably most daring where I bought a car and drove around the country by myself, bought this car by myself, had a job. Yeah. And traveling around for more than half a year because I was in New Zealand for one month mm-hmm. and then I was in Australia for six. So that was a hell of a time for me for sure. It's so. a good thing you did that though. And like the thing oh, is I about completely- the car is that like <clears throat> I did not want to be on a tour and be dictated where I was going to go and where I was going to stop. And I actually did the the calculation. And, it, and I mean after everything was said and done, after all the fines and all the <laughs> speeding tickets and all the 
the issues that we had, it probably wasn't more cost effective, but had nothing have happened, had it been a perfect uh, run through, mm-hmm. would have saved a lot of money. Actually, uh, the bus tickets would have added up to amounted to more than buying the car and paying for gas and all that stuff. Well, yeah. well, for a normal person, for, a normal person. For, for you, you had some real bad experiences with a car and fines and everything. Uh, elaborate on those, please. Well, we were talking earlier about the registration, the rego, and uh, I didn't know about it. I had, I had no idea that you had to buy this thing called registration. So I bought this car and I managed to drive it around for quite a lot of time without without any issue, a whole month actually, down to, to Melbourne and back up to the Blue Mountains and all that stuff. Then I picked up the lads in, in Sydney and we started heading on up, Anton in the car. Um, and I think we we're heading out to Byron Bay. It was before Byron Bay. And uh, we're driving down the road and this, you know, police car, I've never seen a police car that was painted green before, but it was green and it blended in perfectly with the with the side of the road. There were these like... Some sort of green vegetation. I don't think it was corn or anything. But, mm-hmm. uh, blended in perfectly. Pulls us over. I know I'm not speeding, so I know that's fine. Um, and he comes up and he says, you know, license and registration, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's here's my, you know, the license. Here's my my my, my uh, insurance. And he goes, where's your rego? I'm like, <laughs> what is rego? <laughs> and so he's like. Basically, he gives me a five. I love the Aussies with like, like everything <laughs> yeah. is nicknamed, and it's either as like an O or he, it's, it's, it's like they're hockey players. Like, yeah. oh, how's it going there? Uh, you know, a Schultzy or Smith, uh, Smithy mm-hmm. or something like that. It's always got to be some kind of uh, nickname, right? Exactly. So he's like, so I'm like, I don't even know what registration is. So I get, we get a $550 fine. Oh my god! Plus we get a $90 fine for displaying the sticker, which it was the first time I'd ever seen the sticker. There was a sticker on the windshield. It was just how observant I was at the time. And it said when the registration expired. And apparently just having the sticker is just like, it's like false advertisement or something. So mm-hmm. that was the fine. And then we had to follow him. You to, think they would like give you a warning. It's like, yeah. obviously you're dumb as shit. Dumb you as know, shit. They yeah, must exactly. get tired of the tourists though. Oh, I'm sure they, they probably do. get yeah. so, mm-hmm. I wonder like most of the time if they like with elections and stuff in certain areas, if they're like, okay, we need to do something about these like English, you know, backpackers that come here or the Canadian ones or the Danish ones or the Swedish ones. You know, like, oh, like maybe maybe there's like a law that's named after Anton. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is the ding, this is the dingo law of Anton. Yeah. You know? Well, I know that they changed the rules after after our tour, and so I'm not saying it was because of our tour. Maybe we were the straw that broke the camel's back. But <laughs> Fraser Island, you can no longer go there un, un, unescorted now. So, anyways, we get escort, es- escorted to this to this uh, this town in the middle of nowhere, and it's not a touristy town. It's like yeah. the, the closest town there, and it's kind of cool. It looks like it has this like Wild West feel to it. You know, they had like the, the like almost like the saloon, and then like they had this like really old hostel that we stayed in. That was really hotel. cool. It yeah. was like the opposite of Canada at this point, because yeah. like if you go to like really um, small yeah. towns, yeah, it's got like kind of, it's more of like a pioneer feeling. You know, Ooh, what I mean, like a mountain. They had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go to Australia; it's more mm. like a Wild West, where you got like, the saloon, you have the tavern, and you got the one gas station. And you got like exactly. cows just walking around yeah. doing their thing. Just this quintessence. I can't remember the name it's of the town. Desert. And I remember that like we parked the car next to the hostel, and the hostel was like this old hotel. It was really nice. It had that old kind of like Victorian feel to it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, stayed there overnight, and we're just like trying to figure out what are we going to do here. And we do a lot of research, and we find out. All right, we have to go get the car inspected. Mm-hmm. And if it passes the inspection, then we can go and we get registration, right? So we're like, okay, we're going to do that in the morning. And we, we come outside and there was, it was the first time I've ever seen like, I don't know, 100,000 bats flying in the air. Like there are all these bats. They're huge. They're huge. And they were flocking all over the place. And the car was like, it was a white Nissan Pintara mm-hmm. and it was purple. It was purple and, and bad shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the day you're going to get your car inspected, you just roll up covered in these purple stains. Uh, so, you know, we cleaned it off the best we could and showed up for, to get, to get this assessment done and it failed. It failed the mechanical assessment. 
And and it failed for the stupidest reason. He's like, oh, the engine is sound, right? Yeah. There's just a rust hole in the boot, is what he said. And yeah. we can't pass because which of that. The, which is the trunk. And so we're thinking, this is the only place in this whole area that there's mm-hmm. a mechanic, right? So what are we going to do? So we looked up on the on the on our phones, the GPS, and there's a, there's a town, 15 minutes drive away. So yeah. what we do is we, we bought a bumper sticker, we put it over the hole, and we went to drive to this other town. In that 15 minute drive, got pulled over again. And I went, oh my God, it's only like 15 minutes. And before the police officer even made it to the window, I'm already hanging out the window. I'm just like, I know I don't have registration. I'm really sorry. We're just trying to get over so we can get to the DNV and we can get it all done. Yeah. And he's like, Rajo, you went through that stop sign back there. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. <laughs> You and I had very oh, different luck with our, our cars this. and our driving experiences. So this guy actually let me off. <clears throat> he, he listened to our story. We said we're really, really trying, and he escorted us to the next town. And, and he said he put a little, like a little thing in our file, basically, and that if we we're going to get pulled over again without registration, that's it. Like we're dead in the water. Yeah. So we passed the inspection. The sticker worked. It <laughs> the fooled sticker them. worked. I remember you told me that. We went I to the DMV, and registration cost five hundred and fifty dollars. So now so you're already like over a thousand in the hole. Eleven hundred dollars on top of the cost of the car. Yeah, uh, we split it five ways. So that you know ended up st- still being quite cost effective. But yeah, and that's the great thing about traveling with friends. It was just one thing after another. It was just like I, I, I just like I, I thought Australia was just like designed to get you in trouble in, in a lot of ways and criminals. Criminals, yeah, exactly. The criminals, they, they, were, they had this. They were so resentful by being sent to Australia uh, that they were just going to punish you know, the rest of the Commonwealth when they came to visit later. <laughs> um, I nearly crashed uh, my car because I was pouring rain. I went around a corner and uh, there was this flash from one of the, uh, the speed cameras and it blinded me for an instant. So I got a, a ticket there. Uh, and then we went to Brisbane and we were entering the city center and we were taking a toll route. And we're like, okay, there's a toll. There's going to be a toll booth or something like that there up ahead. And we just see these signs that you're supposed to have pre-bought this device that you put on the windshield. Mm-hmm. And that scans your credit card every time you go through the toll to be you know, convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't have it, they take a picture of your license plate number. And here you get an, another $90 fine, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're going, well, you know, just, holy crap. I'm going to swear on this podcast. I've already been saying five hundred. Okay, I was like, Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make sure you don't have to delete it out because that was you know. Yeah, my guests can't swear, but I can swear well, all the time. Sometimes you just you know you just have to curse, right? It's, it's very it's very yeah. courtesy oh, to you to, to see if you can curse. Well, I don't know. I don't want to get you. Uh, That's fine. I don't want to get you this like not safe for work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe your audience. If your audience is eighteen, seven, I don't know. Yeah. Um, under 18. Uh, yeah, so we go through this toll booth and we're all pissed off and then we take the wrong exit and it does this big loop Loop, and next thing we know, we're on the opposite side of traffic going back across the same toll booth again and we, we hit it twice. So mm-hmm. that was uh, really frustrating. Um, and then uh, later on, uh, pretty much nothing happened for the next you know couple months, which was nice. But That's I wanted, very nice. wanted to sell the car in cans. And of course, what everybody does is they buy a car in Sydney and they sell it in cans and we weren't able to sell it. And uh, I ended up leaving it there, going to New Zealand. And then a friend of mine, Kyle and Anton, the, the Swede. Was it uh, Kyle or it was Sam that took the car with Anton? No, it was Kyle. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Sam went home early too. He had to, he had to work. Oh, okay. Um, they decided, uh, you know, without my approval, my name was attached to the vehicle, uh, that they were going to drive from Cairns across the outback. And uh, head to see, uh, what do they call it, Uluru and all that stuff. About halfway there in the middle of the desert, you know, 40 whatever degrees heat, the altimeter blew. The windshield wipers went crazy and they uh, jumped out of the car, abandoned it on the side of the road and hitchhiked the rest of the way. But they did not remove the plates. They did not remove 
uh, like the, like VIN numbers or any of the any of the documents that had yep. my name attached to it. And apparently there was like a three thousand dollar abandonment of vehicle fine that was attached to my name. So now what are we at? Forty forty two hundred dollars. <laughs> did you end yeah. up paying that? I did not end up paying that. I ended up going home, uh, and they actually because my address was on all the documents. They ended, I was getting sent things to my place in in uh, Victoria for for some time, and I just ignored it. And I remember actually phoning one point and being like, "Hey." Australia official beer crap person. <laughs> I was 18. I'm getting these letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, you know, what's the deal here? Is like, is there any like forgiveness or something? And she kind of said the exact same thing that you said earlier. She was just like, you foreigners think you can come here and like rack up all these fines. <laughs> so I haven't heard from it, you know, for the, you know, over seven years or anything. Yeah. But I'm worried that one day, you know, I want to go visit Australia with my family. Yep. And it's like, Mr. Palmer, we've been waiting for you. Click, <laughs> <laughs> No, so, I'm, a, I'm a victim. <laughs> I like to, I like to tell people that an entire continent is uh, off limits to me now. So <laughs> I, got, I got continents of criminals. Uh, you know, they don't want me there at all. It's just like amazing. Going to Thailand or something, and they'd be like, "No, we have to divert. There's a storm ahead. We're gonna be landing in Darwin." And I'm gonna be like, "No, well, <laughs> don't I, I, land the plane." <laughs> I always wondered too because I was so naive when I was a young guy. Um, when I was selling my vehicle, I sold it to this one guy. He fucking fleeced me. And I just still kind of bitter towards people from Limerick. Uh, oh, no, wait, wait, no, he wasn't from Limerick. He was from Cork. Uh, and I sold it to this guy, and I wrote this bill of sale, but then I wasn't really sure if that was legal enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, when I filled out the paperwork from the people I bought it from, right. it was very official, you know, very nice mm-hmm. government document, all that kind of stuff. I just wrote it on a piece of paper and, like, I earned Chalupa of Grimshaw, Alberta, this, <laughs> Canada. Like, this Tui napkin. Or yeah. Something. And I'm just like, well, you know, this is the thing is that I think as soon as mm-hmm. he would take in the, uh, the vehicle to get new registration, he would just – it would be on his name then. You know what I mean? I think it, like I would be kind of erased from that. I think I'm still kind of iffy with that, that, that whole system, but yeah. Like, and then even when I bought my new vehicle here, it was much more official than uh, my bill of sale, <laughs> my written bill of sale. Definitely. So I, I don't know. I just I wonder too. I'm like, man, I wonder if I've got something going on here. You well, know? I, I'm sure. Or I, don't I know just how... go back and like this is like yeah, you, know, you and I will go back for a big old uh, you know oh, 360 exactly. tour. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really funny. Um, I was talking to Nat and Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember you remember Andy, uh, my other friend Nat. I met uh, I met him in Brisbane and we went down to Melbourne together. Right. <clears throat> We're all talking about doing a uh, reunion tour oh. next year. In Australia, not maybe not Australia. Somewhere no. else that we'll do like a big uh, road trip or something. Too like that. much like, Where we're talking like maybe Africa, and we'll drive from like one part of the country, uh, the continent, to another part of the continent, or you know, um, you know, we'll go to Southeast Asia or something like that, and do like a, a bike trip, or come to Canada and we'll do a road trip here or the states or something, right? Somewhere that we can all meet up. Yeah, there's one other guy. His name is Ladislav. So uh, we're the we're the Commodore Four because oh, my my, my, my Commodore is a, a mm-hmm. Commodore. Yeah. So it was Burgundy, know. wasn't it? Like a deep red burgundy color? Wasn't no, it? no, it was it was white. But I was gonna make a joke because you were talking about how your your car Man. turned into. We had the two white cars. Um, My you, memory. You, you were talking about yeah, you're batting a thousand right now. <laughs> That's okay. I'm here to film the details. <laughs> uh, so my car was white, but driving mm-hmm. through the Northern Territory in West yeah. Australia, uh, it kind of like all that red dirt. It would kind of sit on the vehicle and kind of give it kind of almost like a light reddish pinkish hue. Mm-hmm. So like looking at it, it's like that's kind of like a, a weird off white for sure, but. 
Uh, yeah, it, it was a great car. I really wanted to take it back home with me. I bought it for you know two grand, and it did me really oh, well. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was. A, I got mine for fourteen, and it wasn't even that bad for gas <laughs> mm-hmm. either. So um, I, I lucked out a lot of times. Yeah. I appealed for a parking ticket one time, right. and they they granted me that uh, that appeal, so I didn't have to pay sixty bucks. So that was sweet. I did get one parking ticket in Brisbane, though. I was really mad about it, and I did put another appeal in, but uh, they didn't talk back to me they delayed it they delayed it and by the time I got back from them uh, they, they got back to me I was already in Melbourne like getting ready to leave home so I just paid it uh, another, uh, we, we got pulled over for speeding three times uh, yeah well you beat me in one in one aspect <laughs> but we got off every time oh well. yeah uh, there was one time where the, we got pulled over for speeding but they also got us to step out of the vehicle mm-hmm. and open the boot mm-hmm. uh, the trunk uh, and we, we just thought it was a mistaken identity they thought we were somebody else you know, it's like, hey, out of the car, we're, you know, let's see your IDs, and we're like, we're Canadian, and these, I'm Canadian, these two guys are English, and all that kind of stuff, so that was pretty funny, and then one time, I was driving to work, and they pulled me over for speeding, um, and I told them I was from Canada, and then one guy's like, oh, Canada, all oh, my sister's over there for the Olympics, and blah, 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 you know, like, oh, how crazy is that? Oh, hummingbird outside. Oh, normally, I don't want us to get that close. Yeah. They, they get really pissed off, actually, if you move. You can just hear them like, quit moving you. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was a very interesting experience with the driving on my end and comparing it to your end because just how it goes. And maybe it was a little bit different for me because I was in a less populated area that wasn't so, right. um, you know, bombarded with tour, like constant tourism that they're a little bit more easygoing. Like, yeah, there's lots of tourism in the Southwest, uh, you know, Margaret River area, like lots of vineyards, all that kind of stuff. But that whole stretch between Perth to um, Darwin, not a whole lot of people go out there or not at least in that many, like, you know, huge uh, numbers. It seems to me that that's, that's, that's the big difference. Like we were in the more party area, the more populated area where everybody goes significantly. And, and I never, it's just the highway of sin, right? That they're just picking people off all the time. And, in, and we were just, we were not, we were, we were extremely naive and stupid. And yeah. Like, and then, and looking back, if I was a police officer, I'm, I'm, I, we're probably lucky. We probably, we probably actually missed out on more misfortune and we're not even aware of it. So, and that's the thing too. It's yeah. like, it, you know, it, it always could be worse. Mm-hmm. So like we, um, yeah, so we're going, we're going in Australia. I was going, uh, counter, counter sorry, clockwise and you guys were going counterclockwise there. So then we hit up in early beach, um, and yeah, I think it was just love at first sight with our groups and we just got along with everybody because Andy was a bit older than me and I was a bit older than you guys. But I think Anton was close to my age. Ollie was older than all of us. Uh, Ollie with his deep blue arm sleeve space tattoos. <laughs> he was a cool guy. Long man. hair. He kind of had like, what did he, he kind of had this like this British <clears throat> rocker vibe to himself. Yeah, punk rock rocker punk, vibe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He used to, I think he played with some, you know, a couple like Oasis a little bit, like not, he didn't play with them, but he like, he like opened for them a couple times. Oh really? Uh, he, was, he was a drummer and like, I think he filled in for a couple, couple bandmates and everything. He never really made it bigger or anything, but he was, he, he was kind of in that scene a little His bit. His hair is a lot shorter mm-hmm. now. I saw it on Facebook. Oh, it is. Yes. He's got a, he, he met a, he's got Cana- a kid, met a Canadian woman in yep, Australia. In Australia. He worked, um, he worked, uh, uh, agriculture. So we got to stay another, uh, another year. No, oh, great. Right, right, I, toward, like right to the the point of he was supposed to get you know leave the country. He was almost yeah. going to get deported, but then that day he got the visa, and I'm pretty sure. I, I think he's probably probably getting his citizenship soon. His, uh, in Canada, at least his residency for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, when you're married, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and he's he, English, so it's Commonwealth kind of shit, right? He, you could just tell. Just you know, he's he's a guy who's he's seen it all. He's 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 partied. He's probably 
you know, done every single drug imaginable and all that stuff. But, you know, at his age, I don't know, he must have been like about 29. He ended up being the voice of reason. And he would just, I could just all the time, his hands going through his hair, just be like, this is really fucked up all the time. <laughs> Things that we were doing. Like, I think he was just getting so tired of hanging out with us. <laughs> Probably. Because he was just traveling old. solo at the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, there were a number of different arguments that, that, that took place. And Anton would, you know, consistently, you know, get into spats with him all the time. And, um, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, back to the cars. Uh, the other misfortune that we had is just the infestation of, of wildlife that the car had. <laughs> we had, a it was like an ant's nest. It was like these tiny little sugar ants. Right. And I noticed that, you know, they, they were coming out of the floorboards a little bit and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I didn't notice that when I was buying the car, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But of course where there's ants, spiders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the first day after picking up Sam and Kyle from Sydney, we're on the highway I was driving for 10 hours to get there in time to pick them up. And so I I trade off to to Sam so that Sam can drive. I get into the back. I close my eyes. And it felt like what was 10 seconds later, everybody's screaming. And we're careening down the road, going over the center line, back and forth. And then we, you know, pull over the shoulder, come to a stop. And I see this gigantic huntsman spider. Mm -hmm. It's like almost the size of my hand. And this thing, the, the, the emotion in its eyes, like mm-hmm. it, just, it was like almost like the sentient thing. It was scared too. And it's crawling up the dashboard and we're all screaming and like we jump, out of the, we jump out of the car and we're like slapping each other, you know, doing that like funky chicken dance where you feel like there's spiders all over you. And then we're like, okay, we're going to have to get the spider out. And we go, we're like, we got like a, I don't know, like a newspaper or something and we just see it like just crawl up the, up the grill and it, it went right into the vent and disappeared into the car, right? Like gone. Like mm-hmm. it just it escaped. And so we're thinking, okay, well... We're just going to burn the car now. Like, that's it. You know, this car is giving us nothing. Well, my, my first thought would have been like, oh, <laughs> yeah. let's just turn on the vehicle and see if it just constantly gets caught in the fan belt or something. Yeah. That, that, well, so anyways, we, we uh, for about two weeks, we forgot about it. And uh, well, we were kind of like just tickling each other in the back for, for weeks. And we were just like panicking. Oh, so there it is and everything. And then I'm driving. I'm driving in uh, Byron Bay, you know, surfer town. And uh, we're just trying to like figure out. We just got a hostile figure out. We're trying to get to the beach. And I see this like brown thing moving in the corner of my eye. And here's the Huntsman spider on the door right next to me. And we must have driven two or 300 meters, I kid you not, on a busy road with people jumping out of the way. And I did not look at the road. Anton had the door open and he was hanging outside the car with his seatbelt still on, dragging on the side of the road for going like 10 kilometers an hour, trying like he just forgot he had his seatbelt on. So we did the same thing, pulled over, hopped out. We did that like funky chicken dance, freaking out. The spider massive huntsman spider it crawled into the space that the window comes out of mm-hmm. like i don't know how it could do that right i don't know either. And meanwhile this old australian woman comes up and she saw it like disappearing into the side and she's just like trying to calm us down and she's just like you americans sure are flighty it's a spider not a tiger <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget her saying that and i was like well at least she thought we were american <laughs> well it's the spider side of the size of a tiger <laughs> pretty much well the way yeah. i've always heard it is that the bigger the spider the less threatening it is like yeah, try it, telling that to your instincts man well and like i i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a person like I, like my my thing is that i'm not scared of something or i don't have much fear mm. if i can see it yep. if i if i was sleeping and i felt something like tickle my leg and i was in bed i would kind of have a, a panic attack because i can't see it i don't know what it is it's a mystery to me you know uh, so I turn on the lights and I just like fucking rolling pin over the bed or like, like shoot the bed or something like that. If I had a gun <laughs> overreact completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what, what happened with me one time with my experience with the huntsman, uh, well, number one, uh, there's this, uh, farmhouse I was staying at, uh, friends of friends. 
and it was just used for storage and it didn't really have like the most secure, uh, it, it was, it was, it was very, uh, not impregnable by, by insects. So when I got in there, like there was uh, a couple little like random bugs there. There was a couple little random spiders there. I was like, okay, like there's a spider web in the window kind of thing. I'm like, well, hopefully that guy doesn't kill me. And I was I'm very just like, I'm trying to go with the flow and not be a sissy and try to impress these, uh, these farmers in Australia. So I kind of went with it, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, fuck, there must've been like 10 huntsmen's there and this many uh, huntsmen's, uh, if they bite you, it's a, it's a bad, it's a, it's a spider bite, but it's not lethal in any way. There's no real, um, venom that can hurt mm. humans. It's not mm. like a hobo spider bite or a wolf spider bite, or even like that of a, a black widow, like nowhere near that or a banana spider <clears throat> where, you know, when you're picking fruit, I've always heard the stories of fruit pickers and it's just horror stories. I'm like, I'm never picking fruit. Uh, I'm not really scared of spiders per se. Insects, I'm not a big fan of, especially ones I don't really recognize. And also just the fact of being in Australia with so many lethal animals, you're always kind of a little hesitant because you, being a Canadian, we see spiders, but most of them are very harmless. You know, the ones, mm-hmm. and like, I'm not sure, do you guys get black widows here? Uh, there's a beach on the island that has the most black widow spiders in the world. By really? Yeah. Wow. It's called uh, Island View Beach. And uh, it's within kind of the organization that I work mm-hmm. for. And if you go there and you lift up a log, you'll see 10 to 12 of them. No kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. So if you ever want to see one, like yeah. you've never actually seen one, go there and just lift up any log. It's, thick, it's kind of like sand dunes sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's never really been an issue. I know when they, like the, the house that we're in, uh, it's my parents' house. Uh, when they knocked down our old house and they took out the, do- the, the window jams mm. from, from my room, yeah. they were all infest- infested in the okay. house there. So they're, they're quite common around here, actually. Okay. Because mm. in Alberta, there are some places that they're common. They usually come in with the fruit. You know, if we, we get some deliveries and stuff, mm. like grocery stores get them. But they don't last long. Because it's so cold usually. Right. And so they just, they just don't hang out. Same with the cockroaches or whatever. Because I remember the first time I saw a cockroach, I was in Perth. And I'm like, what the fuck? And those things are freaky. They don't really do anything to you. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, do they bite? I don't know. No, they just can survive anything. Yeah. yeah. So then they look scary as hell. Like exactly. they, they look frightening. Yeah. Uh, you know, honey, I just went to kids. What was it? Three. And when they get <laughs> the cockroach chasing yeah. them, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, not a fan of those mm. guys. Cause they like, you know, they move and everything. So I remember mm. when I was working at this one hostel for my mm. accommodation, they would give me like a can of like, you know, cockroach uh, be gone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a picture of a cockroach upside down with a lightning bolt at it. And it's a big cross on it. It's like, fuck you. Uh, so I, there was one that running along and I'm like, ah, I got you fucker. And then just like go and it start twitching and go upside down. Like, yeah. You I'm sick like, bastard. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, with the, with the huntsman at this one, uh, this farmhouse I was staying at, I'd have a shower. And then I see these like, you know, four little legs come over top. Well, big legs first by. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! <laughs> like cover my, cover my nipples. <laughs> like, like, if so, like if I was a woman and some guy came in, I'm like, oh, I, I've never. <laughs> and... <laughs> And yeah, so I kind of freaked out and the spider ran away. And then I'm like wondering where the fuck it went. And I'm brushing my teeth and I look up and right above me is the spider. And it's, it's like, if you fucking land on me, I'm going to fuck you up, bud. Like, I I'm, I mean no harm to you, no ill will. Just, I understand there'll be a lot of insects You hang in out, here. I'm going to hang out. Yeah. We'll just keep our separate. And like mm. nothing happened. So I was really pumped. I didn't even see the guy for a long, long time. That's great. Uh, yeah. Actually, not, not even again. My whole, my whole oh, time good. at that farmhouse. So that was good. He, I he, love he listened to me. He listened to me. I love those memes. Have you seen those memes with the spider? Where the spider's just like, I'm just living here with you, keeping the bugs out. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing with that newspaper? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. So I'd like to read the newspaper. Thank you. <laughs> I like to hang out underneath your pillow and around your bed just to make sure that no, no mosquitoes bite you while you're sleeping. Ah, get away from me. <laughs> oh, the, 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 there's another one where it's like, imagine if spiders could talk yeah. to you. And so he's like, 
Like, oh, didn't, didn't see you there. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that you were in the shower. Yeah. Oh, man, if you get over there, you're going to get hit by the jet stream and you're going to fall in the shower. Oh, thanks, bro. It's like, hey, by the way, if you could stay in my room at night, that'd be great. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. That's your personal space, bro. I'll just go around like you know, the kitchen and like uh, random floors and stuff and eat mm. other little bugs. It's like, oh, cool. Thanks, bro. See you around. What yeah. are you doing with that sandal? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was just like a little peaceful, peaceful send-off mm. to each other. And yeah. also, I saw another really good one where it's like Spider-Man would be much more terrifying if he shot spiders at you than like spider webs. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And then I, I heard later on, I was like, telling some an Aussie about this, mm-hmm. you know, it's Huntsman story, and it's like, oh yeah, when when a Huntsman is above you, hey, you know, this is a terrible Aussie accent. <laughs> oh, we both got bad. <laughs> they'll, they'll, there's there's certain <laughs> phrases I can do that's yep. not too bad, but it's like yeah, they'll drop on you. Like they'll they'll get a higher and they'll drop on you if it's a bigger pre- a predator or prey or something like that. And I'm like. Well, I talked to it and didn't do that, so that must have been pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I don't believe a single thing that Australians tell me anymore. <laughs> I love them as a people, but the thing is, I, I swear to God, they have some sort of like major convention in the off season where they get together and they get their stories straight about what to tell tourists. Because I got told about these like, there's a certain uh, aggressive type of koala that'll fall out of the tree and like slash your eyes out and all that stuff. And I got told that by one. I'm like, yeah, sure, right, buddy. I'm in a different town. The same person's telling me that. So then you start to perpetuate that and believe them a little bit. And I also heard about this snake that apparently bites its own tail and makes itself like a wheel and then chases after you and all this stuff. And like, again, 18, <laughs> naive. When you hear that from five different Aussies and they all say the same story, you start to believe it. I haven't heard, I haven't heard <laughs> yeah. David Attenborough say that yet, so I don't believe no. it. <laughs> He's in on it too, though. Yeah. So I, I got my Facebook um, uh, thrown up here. So oh. we're looking at some photos. Um, I think the biggest mango in the world, uh, where was that? Oh, fuck. It doesn't say. But it was, it was close to Airlie Beach. And then that was just outside our hostel. I liked how those three birds were just hanging out by side, uh, mm. beside each other. That was one of the sunsets in Airlie oh, Beach. Oh, man. I remember that's like the main stretch yeah, there. Yeah, just golden. Um, uh, folks, I'll, I'll throw this on the on the Not For 30 page um, later on, some of these photos here, because they are just gorgeous. Uh, yeah, this, this is the <laughs> uh, <that laughs> this is St. Patty's Day. That's you and Kyle. Those green glasses. Oh, man. What a night. And I, you guys no, not the same shirt. Ooh, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris and Ollie. Chris Ollie, and Ollie. Ollie was very creative with uh, his drumming, so he grabbed some pots and pans and threw t- tea towels over them so they wouldn't um, you know, make too much of a clanking sound. Always with a hand-rolled cigarette in his mouth. Yep, always. Backwards hat, too. That's, that's the iconic look. Chris Winward. Chris. The rocker. I bet, I, I'm pretty sure I told you before, but mm-hmm. I did run into him a few times. That's awesome. Um, yep. <laughs> What's going on over there? Uh, I did run into a few times when I went to Nashville. Uh, what was it? It'd be about five years ago now. Five or six. No, oh, Anton when he dyed his hair green. What a freak. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at you. Oh, brown man. hair. Yeah. Yeah. Dark brown hair. Yeah. Not many grays there. That's the loft. Oh, yeah. Is that one of your guys' backpacks do you recognize? Uh, that, must, that must be Kyle's. I think Kyle had a new backpack. Okay. I had this older one. Oh, look at that. Oh, that was the girl that Anton was had in the shower when he was. They were dancing in the shower, and they were the white one, the spinning around and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, he fell in love with everything, (laughs) everything. Mm. He grabbed me a few times when he was drunk, and he was just like, "Ah!" And I'm like, "Cut your hands off of me! I don't want you to, you know, take advantage of me." Uh, Random pictures there. Good times. Oh yeah. Nostalgia. Oh, big time. 
We're driving up north. Oh. Louis. They were in with you. Oh yeah, they were. With, yeah. were in with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I tried. I tried to make yeah. a point of that because mm-hmm. I actually had a pretty big crush on, oh, on Louisa. You guys want to come everyone, with me? Everyone did. <laughs> she knows. She very cute too. But I was like mm-hmm. all about Louisa. That's for sure. But yeah, I was just like, yeah, you guys want to come with me? They're like, yes, because they didn't want to hang out with Sam at all. Because Sam was just and Sam was creeping on them hard. Sam was yeah. such a creep. Oh, he was. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is when we went to Blue Sky Brewery. And you guys followed oh, me yes. for, the, for the brewery yes, tour. Yes, yes. <clears throat> right, because the drinking age was 18 in Australia, wasn't it? Uh, there might be one place that was 19. I think that was a big deal for us because yeah. that, was, that was the big deal. Yeah, because for, for BC, it's, yep. it's 19. Mm-hmm. And you, so when you guys were 18, you came over and you're just drinking everything. Bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at, look at how fresh you look there. Uh, young, young. You don't, you don't look too yeah. different, I find. No, it's funny. Kyle hasn't really aged that much either. <clears throat> I, oh, yeah. It's funny though because I went to my high school reunion recently, and some people, like they're almost unrecognizable, and others really? are exactly the same. It's weird. The ones with kids, I tell you, children really take it out of you. <laughs> Sam, Sam always with the wife beater on. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know what? If I went back to Australia, I'd probably like pack a few of them. Yeah, just because it's just so cooler. much yeah. cooler. God. At least I wasn't the only one wearing American Eagles. Part of me. <laughs> Yeah, that was the Everyone that was the big group. There. They all look so bored. Yeah, I know. That's what that's what I kept thinking. I'm like, what was I doing? I was you like, guys aren't having fun, Louise. I don't know why she agreed to it because yeah. her and uh, sorry, Shanetta and Brittany mm-hmm. screwed off to like do whatever else, did some shopping or whatever. We're currently standing in the in the brewery, by the way, in these pictures here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, lovely girl. <laughs> why do we all have goatees? Was that a thing then? I or we know. just couldn't grow beards on our face? Well, I I, I grew yeah. stubble over, and it was a very patchy beard. Right. You know, very young man's beard for sure. But, uh, oh yeah, you thought one of the beers tastes like smoked salmon. It was one of those, um, it was one of their wheat beers. It was unfiltered wheat beer. And I, I maybe that's why you don't like white beer so much. And I like, like smoked salmon though. So <clears throat> yeah, I don't think that would be a, he looks the same too. What a goon. What a goon. Yep. <laughs> Simon. Oh man, Simon and Brittany. Yep. I'm not sure if I have pictures of Brittany. Uh, I think, she, I think she showed up later. Yeah. Pistol look there. Anton was so happy with all the beers. Always was. Yeah. Oh, I, I need a haircut right there. That was my bamboo t-shirt my mom got me from. Oh, Winters. good. We couldn't afford haircuts. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> yeah, no. We could barely get, afford. Get me a. Give me some clippers. <laughs> we yeah. ate instant noodles every <clears throat> night. <laughs> Brittany and Shanetta finally joined up with us after they went shopping. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'll never forget it. Uh, we were walking home to the hostel that we we're staying at, and you quickly gave me a, um, a little rundown of what was the. Um, you did some kind of like self-defense training and like you put the hand behind the back and then you put like the fingers up the nose or like against the nose and then you like, you'll just fall down. Something like that. And you did that to me and then you're like, cause you were, you were pretty drunk at the time and then you're like, did something like where you're like, you put your hand on and then you go down and <laughs> you're like almost breaking my arm. I'm like, Elaine! And you're like, ha ha ha. <laughs> oh, and you're like sorry. looking back and talking to like Kyle and I'm like, Elaine! I, I stopped giving people demonstrations of that sort of thing after a while because <clears throat> my friend RJ, he I was like, man, throw, like, throw a punch at me, drunk, right? And so I grabbed his arm, turned around, and you're supposed to bring your knee up to their face. And I ended mm-hmm. up kneeing him right in the nose, almost breaking his nose. So <laughs> and there like, are, I don't have the control that I thought I had, especially when I'm drunk and intoxicated. So. There are 11 of us in that, that picture. Oh, okay, that, that, was the, that was yep. the main group. That was the, 11, the main group. Yep. And you know, this is when we kind of broke away a little bit when we were all in cans. Right. We went to that was um, the end of the line for me. Yeah. Oh, this is when we go back down south. We had some bowling pictures that. Um, oh, that, I remember that Shanette and Louisa tagged me. And we had, and, and we had some extras did. in there too. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah. The German girls. Yeah. The German girl. Yeah. <clears throat> the, yeah. One, the one who thought I lied to and told I was twenty-two. 
<laughs> and she found out I was 18 and she was not happy. Oh boy. And she started calling me her Canadian baby and that was really weird. Oh, that is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> man, no, just, uh, man, it's just a different time, eh? Different time. A, yeah. deca- a decade ago, a decade really, ago. really. I think we've reminisced about that quite well, actually, between the two of us. Yeah. Um, I have something like 2,500 pictures, too, that I could go through and kind of reinstate my memory. And I probably should do that at some point. We're just, just 10 minutes under the hour, too, of talking. Really? He's talking about Australia more, so I didn't even like talking about you at all. No. Because I am okay. in Victoria, yep. uh, British Columbia at the moment. I had no idea when this is going to be released. I still have a few other podcasts in the bank. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, let's let's just quickly talk about you. Um, so you grew up here in Victoria. I didn't do yep. Yeah, you're uh, the older of two kids. Both your par- are both your parents from Victoria as well? No, they're both Ontario born. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you know whereabouts in Ontario? Uh, my mom's from Midland, Ontario. Dad's from Kingston, Ontario. Okay, cool. Yep. Right on, right on. Mm-hmm. So you got like tragically hip roots there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then going from there, uh, you've been in Victoria pretty much your your entire life. You were talking mm-hmm. about how you were living in Germany for a bit. Where were you in Germany? Were you in Berlin, uh, Frankfurt? Bremen. Bremen, so northwest. It's kind of it's close to like Hanover and Hamburg. Yep, so I know where, where it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of it. Bremen. I haven't gone to that region yet. Uh, my experience with Germany has mm-hmm. been um, uh, Rostock, Berlin, Munich, right Frankfurt am Main, and then just swinging over to Austria and then hanging out there. I never made it to. Bavaria. I really want to check out uh, Cologne, um, Hanover. Oh, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dresden. A lot of those other spots. Like, I haven't explored that much of a Germany. But, what, what, and like, did you get around anywhere? Like, like, was it more just like hanging out with the girlfriend and the planning to go to school and learning a language? Or? It was It was more so about roots. I did, I did a lot of trips on my own without her, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was, I was doing a language school. And in my head, it was like, I'm going to move to Germany. And I'm going to make this work. I'm going to go to the university. I'm going to do the studying college and all that stuff. So I was in language school quite a bit of time. Spent a lot of time in Bremen. Uh, I ended up kind of living with her and her parents for a little while, which you know, was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it worked out quite well. Did they, they like you? They did like me, yeah. yeah that's good. In fact, I, th- I think they're you know quite upset when things didn't work out. Uh, it's difficult to maintain distance and all that stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But uh, no, it's lovely. I, I, I am so indebted to them. I haven't heard them from for a while. Just the opportunities that they gave me, allowing me to stay there and all that stuff. And and also just you know the ability to learn a foreign language, which is something that I never was able to accomplish before with uh, you know <laughs> French in school and everything like that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, my German's become quite rusty because I haven't spoken it for a long time. But I technically got to the C1 level, um, which is university level German and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, still pretty a, damn good. Yeah, it's great. Well, you have to immerse yourself, and I, I when you have that when is have, handy. And when you have a you know you know a, a person that you're you know quote unquote in love with, it makes it a lot easier. It, <laughs> it, yeah, it makes it a lot easier to learn the language. So um, if you're wanting to learn a language out there, you know just just meet a girl, go there for a few years. <laughs> well, yeah. I, to, to be able to communicate with mm. some of my friends in Germany as well as my family in Austria, mm. like obviously like the um, the accent and uh, terms can be a little bit different. Between right. Austrian German, which is uh, low German, and then like anywhere else in Germany, yeah. can be different. They called mine. It was high German. Oh, and the, the nice thing about it too was that uh, the the accent in, in Bremen uh, is more like an English person speaking uh, oh, really? German. So okay, um, I've the pronunciation heard, was a lot easier. I've actually. always heard the um, uh, around Hamburg. 
is probably one of the better ones. Uh, Plattdeutsch, uh, flat, flat, flat German. Exactly. And Braille's not so. It's not so far off. Is, is usually the yeah. uh, the most mm-hmm. like favored German uh, yeah. for like a very neutral accent. It's not too harsh. It's not too uh, influenced by Eastern Europe too. Because like if exactly. you go to yeah. uh, Dresden or Leipzig, mm-hmm. it's very harsh now because of that exactly. Russian influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also forgot to mention. Um, I also spent some time in um, Heidelberg, Ladenburg, and Mannheim. Oh, Heidelberg! Heidelberg is a gorgeous city. It was a gorgeous, yeah, fantastic city. The gigant, giant keg. I don't know if you saw that in the I castle did. there. And oh, I certainly it's, did. It's steeped in history just see, with the castle, and you can just see like the dents in the walls from cannonball fire from mm-hmm. the French. Awesome place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, like, so mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a whole, like uh, Germany was a pretty good, interesting experience for you then. Like, I, it, I would say in a more so positive note, obviously, if you, you oh, broke it's up, it's kind of shitty. But Quite positive. Yeah, yeah you know, don't dwell on that. You enjoy you the country live, and everything. Live and learn and everything like that. And you learn another language and you have a, the experience of being in a foreign country and, and trying to get your roots there. And, you know, it's very difficult because uh, they basically don't accept Canadian high school as good enough, which I don't blame them. High school sucks. <laughs> in Germany, agree. they have a three, a three tiered system for high school. So basically, and it's de- determined from a quite a young age, I think like grade eight or grade seven, based on your performance, mm-hmm. you're either going to go to the gymnasium, which, uh, basically means you're going to end up in, in university. Then there's the, uh, Hochschule, I think, which is like the middle one. And that's kind of like the trades. And then there's like Realschule, which is at the bottom. Well, mm. I, I don't mean the bottom, but it's like people that didn't do very well in like in, in math and school and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And and uh, so they, they they segregate people. And so I think it's kind of interesting because I think in the in the gymnasium, mm-hmm. people are competing to be you know the smartest and the best and put their hands up and they get points for participation and all that <laughs> stuff. And so there's excellence is 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 rewarded. And if you don't you know you don't meet the standard, then you're going to drop to the lower the lower the lower rung. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in Canada, I feel like our high school just kind of caters to the lower denomination or the lowest denominator sort of thing. I just remember just being like it was just a race to the bottom. It felt like for me. So I don't blame. I don't blame them for not thinking that Canadian high school was really good enough. Um, so I had to redo uh, pretty much grade 12 in German in what they call student college, which is uh, basically where you, you go and you do, you know, your biology, math, chemistry, all that stuff in German. So that was a, it was a very challenging time for me. Very difficult. No shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I've tried to learn German Mm -hmm. um, through Duolingo and it is very helpful for getting your vocabulary up there. I just couldn't follow the rules all that well. Because uh, they don't really do, like, in my opinion, they don't. Maybe it's changed. I haven't been on the the, the app for about a year and a half now. Um, but I just found just, that they, they didn't explain the rules and like like the the reason why you have no. to say it this way and why that's organized that way. And stuff. It also comes up. Duolingo just comes up with the strangest sentences. That I just get so tired of repeating. It's like she is rich. He is rich. I don't care. Like, why am I like, you know what I mean? Do you notice like the, yeah. the automated generations and like how the little thing, the reminders you get, get increasingly like more like violent. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's time to pra- do it. It's time to do it. You need to, you need to practice now. Pay for your life in German. <laughs> it's only been 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, oh, what, what always bothered me is that you would, you would have to redo a certain level, even if it was like the very beginning where it's just mm-hmm. like, ich, what does ich mean? And it's like, Oh God, like I know that. Like, why do I have to redo that one? Like, we're past that crap. Like, let's move on. Um, I, I, I've really thought about it before, about going to Austria and just live there for a year and just try to immerse myself in the language. I think it's the, only, it's the only way and to do it. That's the best way. Like, it's obviously, you don't want to do pick up lazy habits mm-hmm. either where, you know, you do this, this, this. You work on your accent. You hear it more. Um, reading was always a great thing. So, like, I, I always have a problem speaking. I can hear it not so bad. Like for any language, I could, I could hear it all right. Like if I hear five words in a two sentence phrase 
you know, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. <clears throat> you get the negative, you, or there's no negative. You kind of understand if it's, oh, we're, we aren't doing that. We are doing that. And you hear the subject matter and all that kind of shit. Um, and then going on with that too, uh, you know, reading, I can always pick up a few words and like reading a menu. I'm like, okay, well that's this with applesauce and, you know, or, uh, you know, there's, there's, that's with fries or potatoes or, you know, with this kind of cream or whatever, uh, mushrooms or tomatoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so that's really good. But for me to speak it, I really have to think and pause and think and pause and say it in the most bastardized ways possible. So I found for me, um, I could read fluently way before I could speak mm-hmm. and uh, even understand. And that was kind of quite frustrating because it's like, I'm, you know, I'm doing quite well. I'm reading these books. I, I read George R. R. Mm-hmm. I was reading the Game of Thrones <clears throat> in German. But when I was oh, in a wow. conversation, they speak so fast. And so by the time yes. I like formulate a sentence and have something to say, it's like, we weren't talking, we haven't been talking about that for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got that, got it together, right? Yep. And uh, just the thing about German too that was, was difficult for me was just the cases. If I did not know whether it was masculine, feminine, or neutral, I would get very self-conscious about because the, the whole sentence changes mm-hmm. and the endings for everything. And so it's like yeah, I was just trying to, in my head, get it perfect. Like, well, cup, der tasa, di tasa, das tasa. I don't know. Tasa. <laughs> tasa. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, I still don't have it, to be honest. Uh I still mess up the cases and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, in German. Well, and you I, talk with, I, 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 you speak German with? In uh, my friend Dean, actually, who has oh, cool. a very similar experience. He dated a German girl for nine years. Oh. Uh, same thing. Didn't work out between them. But so you guys can play about he, His German well. is so perfect. We had a, a Christmas party here, and there was a, a German girl that came with uh, another friend of ours. Uh, it's funny, all these Canadians and German girls. And uh, <laughs> she listened to my friend speak, and she said, that is the most perfect German I've heard from a foreigner ever. And he doesn't have a background in it or anything. No, but he learned it for about nine years, right? Oh, okay. Uh, and he, he perfected it. I think I was probably six months to a year away from perfecting the language. Yeah, yeah. Um, just going to send you a little... Oh, okay, yeah. No, we can we can pause that here. Um, Lane has to pee, so we'll be back. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh. Hey! <laughs> we can continue on. The last time I did that, it didn't work so well. But now it's getting all red in the... I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's working. I'm happy. Whatever. Uh, so... I'm getting adjusted here to podcast oh, yes. so after I, a bathroom break we might as well fill our I wrote you again. I wrote you a note on my phone and pass it to you I have to go pee and you're like oh you gotta go pee <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay I'm Fine. outing you <laughs> what you have a massive erection we have to take a, take a break so it can go down <laughs> okay <laughs> um, yeah so uh, we share everything with you the audience <laughs> <laughs> no, no secrets are kept no of course of course well and it's, you know this happens all the time so like I mm. I encourage to um uh, you know, to, to record while uh, I'm waiting for a fire. So mm. I'll hang out with my buddies and stuff. And then there'll be times where we get a radio call and I'm like, okay, well, I got to go. <laughs> it's like, we'll can do this later. And then I'll hit the stop and we'll try it's to It's been 12 later. hours, but for you, it's only been half a second. Yeah, exactly. It's so <laughs> We're back. It's so Lots has happened. So, yeah, we we're leaving off. Uh, we we're still talking about... We're talking about learning a language. Yeah. And uh, just how, you know, kind of immersion is, is the best way to go with that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, cheers, by the way. Oh, cheers. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Splash, splash. And uh, we got, I guess, diverted off the biography you were giving of me. I don't mean to be narcissistic. but No, it's absolutely fine. Well, it's like they've heard about me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times. It's so funny because when I do meet some people, they want to hear about me, especially when I meet... um, I met uh, JT Hay. He was a place kicker for the Calgary St. Peter's back in the uh, the 80s. And 
uh, then I met Ryan Duncan in Salzburg, and he was actually quite interested in me too. I'm like, hey, 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 they already know about me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you it's later. Not about me. It's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it feels kind of neat when somebody who is a little bit you know more famous uh, than yourself they're going to want to ask questions about you. Like I met um, uh, sports um, sports I guess anchor uh, or sports analyst. Uh, Jason Greger, and he's out of Edmonton. Sports correspondent. Yeah, there you go. And he has his own radio show on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. And I met him at the Capilano uh, liquor store, mm. uh, the local liquor store for, uh, well, it's Liquor Depot, uh, near my dad's place. And him and Jason Strudwick, who used to play for Canucks and played for the Oilers, uh, they do a show together. And they were recording at the liquor store at, uh, during that time when I was there. And so I'm like, well, I might as well go up there and shake their hand and say, hey. And he's just like, oh, what's your name? I'm like, oh, I'm not important. You're cool. I have questions for you. You don't want to know about me. But at the same time, they want to get to know their, you know, listeners and, you know, like, oh, okay, cool. I'm actually, you know, affect, you know, um, touching someone's life in the sense of, you know, like their, their interests, you know, so they actually enjoy sports and they enjoy hearing me. So might as well get to know them. And it's also the rapport that you build too. It's like, it's, it's strange to, to tell people about your life if you don't know anything about theirs, right? And it's kind of like in a, a sense, reciprocity or, that goes and it's like an exchange of conversations. Like or you're getting, they know so much about you because, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like whoever's listening to me, they right. come up, like say I ever, if I ever got approached, like I threw it out there to my uh, any European listeners that we have. It's like, hey, I'll be traveling around Europe. If you're in any of these countries and you want to possibly meet up and, you know, bullshit, we can do that. But then I'd meet them and like they already know about me. They know about a bunch of my stories. And I don't know anything about them. So I'd be very curious to be like, oh, this and this and this and this, you know. So, yeah, I can I can understand that and respect that. And it's, it is kind of un- unusual in a sense, right? Like, um, and it's just a matter of keeping track of, of telling the same stories over and over again. I guess when you're going to podcasts, it's, have I told that story already? You know, are people going to get bored of hearing the same things over and over again? So that's why it's really nice to have just like fresh faces come on and, and I, why you want to ask questions and kind of direct it towards your guests more so. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back a little bit. Uh, what? Give me your resume. Um, you know, if, 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 if you are, um, uh, you know, just, just some interesting work history and some schooling or training that you've had. Yeah, so I mean, like, let's just start early years and work to where you are now. Right. Well, kindergarten was a difficult time. <laughs> early years uh, in your early twenties. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I went to university out of, out of high school uh, immediately, even before I actually went to Australia. Uh, parents basically said, you know, you have to go to university, otherwise you're you're never going to go. And mm-hmm. and uh, it did not go well. I, I didn't want to be there. I was mm-hmm. partying too much. I was doing a you know biology degree. And I uh, ended up just getting just destroyed in calculus. Uh, I thought I was good at math. Um, my Again, going back to high school, my grade 12 teacher, I think I had 94% in grade 12 math. Mm-hmm. I got to high school and I failed calculus twice. So I, uh, I dropped out and I was thinking, you know, I, what am I doing here? Um, and my friend was becoming a paramedic. So I thought, you know, I went to, this is after Australia, I thought, you know, I might as well you know, go and see what this whole paramedic thing is about. So I went and did my uh, three-week uh, emergency medical responder course, then got thrown the keys to the ambulance uh, in a small town called Port Renfrew that only has about 500 people living there. And uh, for about a year and a half, it's pretty much like volunteer driving out there uh, almost every single day and just running the, the ambulance station. And, you know, there could be a week without a call, but then every once in a while, something, you know, extremely serious would happen. And, uh, you know, one of my, one of my, first calls I was actually held at knife point for 45 minutes doing CPR on a dead infant 
uh, Sid's case and uh, he accused me of being you know racist and I wasn't bringing back the infant because it was out of racism and I wasn't using the AD properly mm-hmm. um, so you have like a little button on your radio that you push to kind of say that you're in trouble and dispatch yeah. as you and and then they send out the police to kind of rescue you a little bit and that's it's like a smart thing to have yeah. but it's like a three-week course so I uh, was quite enamored by this and this experience and and uh, you know helping people out and all that stuff so I decided to go back to school and get my primary care paramedic which is another seven to eight months in school and four or five months uh, in practicum to become kind of like a full-fledged uh, EMT, I guess they would call in, in Alberta, uh, PCP here in BC. And I worked for the ambulance service for a number of years, kind of on and off. Um, it's amazing that I managed to stay on as long as I did because I, I did the whole Germany experience and I would, I would leave and come back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to just do my minimum amount of shifts and everything. But on and Overall, that was a very weird time for you to come back and forth so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember visiting you one time when you were working the ambulance, and this is kind of like a, a little bit of a breakup of what we're talking about. But I remember we went to a house party. I forget what time of year it was, but it was one of your buddies' like birthdays or something like that. And we went over. It was kind of like around the harbor. I don't really know how to describe where it was. Anyway, there was there was a house party going on, and then some people got in a fight, and something something broke, and then oh, it's like was, everyone get out. That and was James, go. yeah, James Bay. I remember that you come yeah. into that, yeah. And you and I were just like, yeah. all right, well, yeah, time to oh, go. Okay. And they were walking down the street, and there was a car crash, and you were kind of like helping somebody out, like half cut. And you're like, all right, we'll just do, yeah. do this, and then like yeah, we showed up. It's like all right, we're gone. It's <laughs> funny. I was like, that's why I don't. I I. I feel uncomfortable drinking too much when I'm out because it seems like every time I'm extremely intoxicated, something terrible happens to somebody mm. and I'm the only one around who can do something about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've had a couple incidents where, you know, I saw a guy get punched in the face downtown, fall back and crack his head off the, off the curb and oh, actually God. die. <laughs> and, uh, having to deal with that was quite, quite a traumatic sort of thing, especially under the influence. Um, yeah, so I was a paramedic for, for several years in total, um, in BC, we're not treated that well. You get paid kind of like $2 an hour on standby and then you get paid, you know, your $20 an hour when you're on call. It worked out to be about eleven fifty an hour. And, uh, after a while you start to lose the idealism behind it. It's like, you want to help people and all this stuff and you don't really care about the money. And then you realize, you no know, money is quite important. You know, in life you gotta, you gotta be able to pay, pay your way. Right. Especially Sadly, in today's age, eleven fifty is just, you're not going to make a living off no, of that. No, no, it is sad. And, like uh, how much uh, money revolves around uh, our worlds. The BC Ambulance Paramedics, uh, up until even this point, were underneath the janitor's union, so we were not even uh, acknowledged as an emergency service in, in the province You're of British Columbia. You're a janitorial Columbia. service? We're janitorial service. We just clean up clean up after people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if uh, we're not allowed to strike or anything, right, because then, then we're an emergency service, so it's, it's a, bit, a bit of a discrepancy. Mm. So I, I, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to leave this, and uh, I decided to go back to school. And uh, I was a little bit traumatized by my first experience in school. And I, I've always been interested in philosophy and been interested in kind of the, you know, questions about God and the meaning of life and all that sort of thing and, mm-hmm. and uh, very existential questions and politics and, and whatnot. And I found that in philosophy. So I did a philosophy degree and uh, one of the most enriching things I've ever done. It's really expanded my perspective of the world and it's given me kind of an architecture of, of thought that can kind of allow me to articulate these ideas I've always kind of been playing with since a, since a very young age, you know, about what, you know, consciousness and the idea of, of God and, and the idea of, you know, virtue and ethics and that sort of stuff. And just reading the, reading the greats, you know, all the way from Plato onward, uh, really, you know, kind of enriched, enriched my life. And, uh, so I finished with that and I had that whole, had the Germany uh, episode and, um, and currently I am working in a completely unrelated field in forestry as a, what's technically called a, uh, it's like in the, uh, wildfire security and emergency response division. 
of the greater Victoria water supply area, uh, which is a pretty awesome place to work. There's like 30,000 hectares of land. It's all second growth forest, 40 different lakes. It's all closed off to the public. And that's pretty much uh, the watershed where our, the water supply comes from. So um, I got a full-time job. Um, I got benefits now. And I was just, you know, kind of talking about it earlier, how it's both a nice thing. You know, I, I got, it went to physio last week and it was paid for and all that stuff. But, I, you know, I only get two weeks of vacation a year. And so it's like, you know, I'm becoming an adult now. I'm starting to feel like the obligation. I'm kind of cementing myself in mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of everything that comes along with that. So, yeah. And so mm-hmm. within going to school as well, uh, what mm-hmm. are some, what are some things you've been getting up to in that, um, that, in that study? You mean, what, what, what was I learning? What were you learning? What were you getting up to? Cause, um, you did eventually write a paper. Oh yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Come on, Listen, talk about the yeah. interesting stuff that shocked no, me when I, uh, I saw you last night. Yeah, I just uh, I wrote a paper for one of my classes. It was on Nietzsche. I mean, the entire class was Nietzsche, and I wrote quite a polemical essay. And uh, I was, you know, Aaron and I were talking about what polemical means. Is quite <laughs> yeah, I was like political. It's uh, polemical. political, polemical. Uh, like, it, that's a made up word. I don't believe you. It's like a cr- criticism of modernity through kind of uh, the Nietzschean perspective, and mm-hmm. and I wrote it in kind of his style, kind of poetically, and it was it's called Dear Nietzsche, where I write to him kind of about how he was right about how modernity turned out. And I sent it away to uh, to a journal and I just uh, got confirmation that they're actually going to publish it, which kind of blows my mind because this essay did not go over well with my prof. Uh, the university, uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but... Uh, what is sig- the university? Significant uh, liberal bias or left bias. And this in British Columbia? No. Uh, maybe anywhere, right? And so I, uh, I, I, I touched on some, I touched on some issues in this, in this you, essay. And, and feel free to let mm. me know, like yep. if you don't want to talk about it. Uh, oh no, I'm um, an open book. And yeah. then um, mm. if you don't want to name names or uh, places, but do you mind me asking what the university is? Oh, the University of Victoria. Okay, mm-hmm. continue. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, it's like it's, it was great, and, and I learned a lot. Very like you know, neutral perspectives about you know the greats, Aristotle, Kant, and all that stuff. But there was a, a significant bias. Uh, there was even a class called the philosophy of whiteness. Um, and, and, and all that entailed. And to me, um, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Jordan Peterson. I'm sure they are, but it's the same kind of vein where it's like the, the Marxist kind of, uh, leftist undertones of, of the university to the extent that even in my own sphere, just showing support for Jordan Peterson at one point, and I ended up getting my car vandalized. Yeah. Um, and which I still don't know if that was other students in the department, but it, it was just, it just happened. So it perfectly aligned with, with that, with that time and place. So anyways, I wrote this essay. Um, the, the journal is called Arctos. It's out of, uh, I think it's, it's Italy or something like that. And oh, wow. uh, okay. they are quite counterculture, uh, in their views. They're, they're, what, they're, they're part of what's called the new right. Um, and they are what's advocates of what's called traditionalist philosophy and traditionalist philosophy in the vein of, uh, and the kind of basic premise is that a lot of what we call progress is actually a regression. Mm-hmm. And a, there's a complete inversion of values that has taken place in our society. And, and uh, I think my paper kind of aligned with that. And uh, they're going to publish it, which is pretty, pretty phenomenal to me. So that's incredible. I have to publish. I'm publishing under a pseudonym because it's just I touch on some things like that are extremely not politically correct. Yes. Of and course. I don't really know if I want to have my name attached or to not this. politically correct yeah. at this time. At this time. You yeah. Know, you know, because I touch on issues of gender. I touch on issues of, yes. of, of you know, like Islam. I touch yep. on issues of politics, yes. of, of, you know, s- you know, sexism, all these things. And just just some things in our society that I think are becoming a little bit uh, ridiculous. And and I think Nietzsche um, 
might have had uh, some very similar uh, viewpoints. And in fact, a lot of it is stuff that he said in the 1800s that he brought attention to that is just only become more ridiculous now and, and just how right he really was about the state of modernity uh, in his time and ours. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I just want to let people know too, um, Lane's a good friend of mine. Uh, we go back a long way, obviously. And whenever I come, I always love seeing him because we have really good conversations. Uh, I do not agree with a lot of things that he says. And he doesn't agree with a lot of things I say, but we're good enough friends that we understand and we respect one another. So um, I was going to also lead up to it. We're going to be recording uh, with another one of my friends who's a little bit more uh, left wing. So uh, we're going to have kind of a mini debate. This is the first time that the awkward throw is going to get a little bit political or with current affairs. Not so much just talking about hockey and brewing and uh, traveling and stuff. So if if you are easily offended or might get a little bit angry with this, please do not. Uh, trigger warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trigger. Uh, I do. I do enjoy the 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 the, the a lot of the lectures of. Um, Jordan Peterson and other people. And, you know, I I really think that people need to have a bit more of an open mind and hear whether it's your right to listen to it or not. You don't need to. Uh, But at the same time, uh, if you do choose to listen to it, please um, go on with an open mind. You know, you can think that I'm wrong or you can think that Lane's wrong or you can think that my friend uh, Brendan's wrong or that we're idiots or whatever, but don't, uh, you know, don't dispel our, our opinions. Um, you know, they, they could very, very well be wrong. I don't know. And it's all just in the spirit of conversation and debate. Um, there's this it con- is interesting to hear yeah. what somebody else has to think and well, say and why yeah. they think and say it. And there's this, this, there's this concept called the Overton window. And the Overton window is just the boundaries of what is acceptable speech in society. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, where the Overton window is set is quite arbitrary, depending on the time and place that you're in. And I think that the Overton window has shifted in such a degree that there's certain things that we're not allowed to talk about anymore mm-hmm. that we should be able to talk about. Because I don't think that important issues just disappear when they're not... Uh, spoken about is what happens is I think that they they kind of percolate in in kind of the uh, collective unconscious of of society and they kind of move about in the darkness and they come out in very malignant ways and I think that talking about these ideas uh, with 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 the purpose of coming to a mutual understanding and just seeing where everybody's at and expanding the Overton window a little bit uh, just to, you know just to check the biases of our own society like you know is is the neutral point that we're at the the, the you know the center as we still call it. Um, is this is, is that really a healthy position for for society and where we're at right now? And the only way to do that is to challenge it with views that kind of lie outside what's 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 permitted, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we have an increasingly um, <clears throat> dangerous situation uh, of censor going on uh, on the internet, you know, Twitter and YouTube and all these things for views that twenty years ago were completely fine to to articulate. And I think that is very important to maintain uh, this this free dialogue between people. Well, whether it's taboo to speak mm-hmm. about it or not, um, you know, like it should still be spoken about. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be censored. Like people should be able to talk about things. Uh, you know, like there are certain points where I don't agree with certain speech, like fuck the, like say KKK or neo-Nazis. Like I don't really want to hear what they have to say because a lot of it is very negative, you know, and I don't agree with a lot of the things, but do they have their right to speak? I, I guess I would have to say yes, they do. You know, like and I don't want to. And I don't want to hear that stuff either. But the thing is, it's like it doesn't go away by saying you can't speak. And in yeah, fact, if anything, when it you encourages su- when you, more. When you suppress speech, 
um, I think it becomes almost a little bit stronger in a way because, mm-hmm. and that's how, that's kind of human nature works. It's like we, we, we look for novelty. And so when there's a certain speech that's suppressed or hidden or, or a secret, it becomes more interesting to people and it, it's more attractive in a certain way. And if you throw it like on the other shoe, like what if you're in um, a dictatorship country and they won't let you speak your views of, you know, peace and love and stuff like that, you know, that's just as terrible. So like, who's to say that, you know, what you think is right mm. and you can't speak about it, then you're being oppressed. So, well, it, I just don't know. trust, I don't trust the censors or I don't trust, you know, whatever organizing body would be determining what is and is not good speech to actually know themselves what is and is not good speech. No, that's, that's what thing, I mean. That yeah. That's why you're, you're putting, society, in my, you're putting as my a, words a lot better in your, your, yeah. your vocabulary. Soci- Thank soci- you. Society <laughs> as a consensus has to come to these on our own. And, and what's, what's deemed appropriate and not appropriate is basically the response that it gets from people. And I think the response can't be hate like that. It just, the response has to be just reasoned debate to show and you know where people's certain premises uh, go off the mark to reach their own conclusions, and I think mm. the only way you can do that is is with conversation. And so I'm quite looking forward to tomorrow to have this this debate. And and for me, it's not about you know getting someone's goat or anything like that. It's just about I I have stay the fuck away from my goat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't bring your goat your goat in here. Um, <laughs> but I, I do I do I do have a a worldview that I think is is not the mainstream. Um, I can tell you yesterday I was actually getting kind of upset with how you're talking. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you go, we're, we're aware yeah, exactly. of that, yeah. but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't yeah. want to tell you, no, mm-hmm. um, I put, provide my opinion right. and you hear it yeah. and you provide me your opinion mm-hmm. and I hear it. And then we continue off the day when we play Borderlands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of things, a lot of things that I also talk about too, is, is like, it's sometimes just fun just to talk about an idea and it doesn't necessarily mean that you advocate that position when you are. And maybe I haven't thought about it fully yeah. yet. Exactly. And you the know? thing is, is like by speaking about things, you actually figure out and, and by, you know, it's not just like think. Pretty much everything you think comes off as reasonable. It's like you have you have you have thoughts and you come to a conclusion. And you think, oh, that's a perfect argument. But really, I don't really think you see the flaws in your argument until you express them and you have someone challenge them and you have to support them. <clears throat> and so again, that's that's you know it's it's a way of of proofreading your own mind essentially to have these conversations. And I think it's it's important. And I've come to certain conclusions and certain you know, ideas about the world that, that were hard come by. Um, and they were quite shocking to me when I came by them. And I, I try and have a dedication to the truth. And, and that's just, that's what I'm going to speak is what I think to be true at any given point of time. So, um, that's where I'm at or to explore ideas a little bit. So, no, totally. Um, so we're talking about Jordan Peterson a little bit. Um, listeners have never heard him before. Um, check out some of his interviews. He's got some very interesting, um, uh, encounters with different reporters. Uh, my favorite one is the, so you're saying, Oh, so what you're saying, one famous because the yeah, lobster. She, she was so <laughs> terrible. She's like honestly, I, I've never seen such a bad interview in my life. In my life, um, in the sense of you're um, on, a, on a well-rounded show in England, and you all your all your defense is is to try to twist words and say so what you're saying, and you know what, and if if you do, <laughs> this is the thing is where I'm not so good at uh, debate and I, I don't know I don't really have an interest to really explore it because I was telling you yesterday uh, I like the idea of like you know talking 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 and then you have your thing and then you kind of both leave with like I don't know a smile on your face and you're still kind of friends and shit like that but that's not always the case in debate pardon me oh this beer delicious <laughs> oh by the way I'm drinking a, a Vail, Vail Trail extra pale ale 
and that's uh, from Three Ranges Brewing Company. And uh, 10% of proceeds go to Valmont Bike Park Maintenance. So that's from our good friend Mike Lewis from my first couple of interviews on the show. So Are you going to start doing advertisements in the middle of the podcast? Well, he doesn't even give me anything uh, <laughs> besides just give me some uh, benefits. <laughs> Try out these do, sheets. Do, do, yep. Me on these, me on these. <laughs> Don't, don't, do don't sue me, Bilber. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, Bill, Bill, uh, sorry, Bill, Bill, Burr, uh, Bill Peterson, uh, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> very interesting guy. My uh, friend calls him uh, Peter Jordanson all the time. Oh, really? He's got <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very, very interesting guy. Uh, and I have the story I wanted to tell you yesterday. Uh, so I go to this uh, bar in Prague called uh, Sideman's Tongue. I've been there before. Uh, my, my, my not this most recent trip, the trip before. And I was like, oh, this is a good place for food and uh, really good beer. And it's craft beer. So I take my buddy Colin with me. And we sit down. And the guy who's bartending is from Syria. And so I'm like, oh, cool. Right on. So we sit down. We bullshit with him. Very friendly guy. Oh, my God. He was so friendly. He's studying in uh, Prague, you know, going to school. And he's living in the country. Um, he's telling us about, like, you know, what's going on in Syria and all that kind of shit. And he's just hanging out with us and asking us questions, being a good, you know, server. And actually, you know, could kind of back up. He, he, he would sit down. He's like, oh, where are you guys from? And I'm like, oh, we're from Canada. He's like, oh, well, whereabouts? And so I point to Colin. Like, well, he's, you know, south of, um, you know, close to Toronto. And then he's like, oh, where, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Alberta. And he's like, Alberta? Like, whereabouts? Edmonton or Fairview? Now, I'm not sure how much you know about Alberta there, Lane. but Very little. <laughs> uh, but typically, if um, you were going to ask somebody from Alberta, you would probably say, whereabouts are you from? Near Edmonton or near Calgary? If those are the two, main, those are the two major cities, uh, the capital and then the largest city in the province. Uh, Fairview really threw me for a loop. One, because that is about uh, 40 minutes away from my house. Uh, and also, it's a town, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's around uh, 3,000 people. Uh, it, the town and probably rural area, maybe 4,000. It's, it's slightly bigger than Grimshaw. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, how do you know Fairview? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm really close to Fairview. <laughs> like I grew up 40 minutes away and he's just like, oh, cool. I'm like, do you realize how big Fairview is? And he's like, one of my favorite people in the world is from Fairview. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, Jordan Peterson? <laughs> because there's one, Carrie Dahl, who I found, uh, who was an a, a anchor on uh, CFRN or CTV News in Edmonton, who I had a crush on for many, many years in my childhood. Uh, and then there's Rachel Notley. Mm-hmm. And Rachel Notley's mom actually was the first one to really uh, put Jordan Peterson onto Nietzsche. And uh, uh, she was a, a full-blown NDP supporter. And right so they, she kind of took him under his wing. But yeah, yeah Jordan Peterson's from uh, Fairview. So I was like, yeah, like Jordan Peterson, he's like... Yes, are you a fan? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I would say I'm a fan. Like I've seen a lot of his, uh, you know, lectures, and I'd say that a lot of things I, I do agree with, or I find very interesting. And he's very articulate, and he's a very good speaker, and he definitely thinks things through. Uh, where he doesn't like, he doesn't let emotion really dictate um, how he feels about certain subjects a lot, which is I, I think is a very important thing, like how you feel to what you, th- what is actually right or what is scientifically proven right. in a sense. Uh, once you get into philosophy, philosophy yeah. is more thinking, right? It's not so much science, scientifically right. proven. And just just to be just to be clear, um, I do appreciate a lot of Jordan Peterson's views, and he's opened me up to a lot of really interesting modes of thinking, especially Carl Jung, which uh, mm. that's quite an undertaking. I really that was I another do. one where Young, Young, Young. Mom put him on to Young. Yeah, and I was I, I was reading Young even before I heard about Jordan Peterson. I was mm. like, wow, this is so fascinating. 
But at the same time, there's some places that I just I do fundamentally agree with him, disagree with. Yeah, him. And I, I, and, I don't uh, think you can agree with somebody. Yeah, but I, I I don't disagree with him from the left. I actually disagree with him from a more of a position on the right. Essentially, right. too. Um, I think he's way too capitalistic, just for the sake of capitalism. I would agree. Yeah, 100%. Um, and a lot of things that he's you know that he advocates for. I mean, it's like he does it. It's not that he's wrong. He he you know he has the right arguments, the right premises, and all that stuff. But it's this like over focus on individualism, which I think individualism is very important. He talks mm-hmm. about the importance of the individual. Um, but I think that that kind of leads to like this kind of libertarianism that I think that you need to have some sort of harmony between people and some sort of some sort of collectivism in, in, in a certain way. And I don't think that mean that doesn't mean communism, but it means mm. some sort of uh, we're social creatures, right? So I think there's community. more community. So I think there's more than just an individual identity, and I think that's sometimes uh, just kind of overlooked by our capitalist system. Totally. Yeah. But, so it was, it was just so bizarre just to sit down yeah. and have this guy mm-hmm. like you know go from um, you know Fairview, Alberta to mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson, and then we started talking about that. And he's got the book. Uh, he wants to meet him so badly, and you know come to Canada. And it's just it was, it was just blew my mind like uh, Prague yeah. of all places to meet a guy from Syria who That's knows. Amazing. Knows yeah. of Fairview, Alberta. That'd be like me knowing yeah. of, oh God, um, uh, Cocklebitty Motel in uh, Australia. Maybe not that small, but I, I, some, I met, some random spot. I met Jordan Peterson in Vancouver after one of his, his talks. and You uh, were telling me yesterday. It was, oh man, it was so embarrassing. I'm so like, I just frustrated <laughs> it myself. It always is. It always I, is. I, I, I don't. You, you think about the question yeah. in your head a few times and how to yeah. like, approach it and like, you know, okay, I'll introduce myself. I'll say how much of a fan I am. I'll ask him this question and we'll laugh or talk about I, something I just, else. I just, like the thing is, is like I, I, I just pride myself on not being a fanboy. And the thing is I didn't even want to go talk to him. I was there with my friend Kia. And she's like, no, you need to go. You need to go like talk to him. And so, so I went up and I don't know why I took this tact with him, which is just ridiculous. But I took this tact like, you know, oh, this is, must have been so difficult for you these last po- couple months with all the spotlight. And he was like, I was like treating him like a victim almost. Yeah. And like, <laughs> which is not which what is, he was. Which is just ridiculous. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like in all the spotlight and like what happened to you at the university? It must have been really t- like rough for you. And like, yep. I'm sure you're not getting a lot of sleep. And like, I was just like almost like overly concerned with his like well-being because it just seems like the guy's just running like, you know. A thousand percent all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, you know, just got into like word cabbage sort of thing, and I was like, oh god, I can't believe this. Good thing he's going to talk to two hundred other people and probably forget me completely. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you see him, you like have a mustache, like, oh, sir, <laughs> sir, I never made this. Yes. So nice to meet you for the first time. Yes, you were not a victim. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a victim. Yeah. You're awesome. You awesome. probably yeah. uh, brushed all this bullshit mm-hmm. off. It's great. One bit. Well done. Well done. Well, the thing about he's he's become so kind of ubiquitous now that it's not like a it's not like, oh, like Jordan Peterson, like this is like a new thing anymore. I would say that almost everybody, he's become mainstream. He's notorious. But the problem with, the, with the, still the problem with him, he said he is mainstream in all the new media. So YouTube, all those things. But still, I would say that the mainstream media refuses to acknowledge the fact that he is, is a, like, a, like a, a something, right? Yeah. He's still that controversial professor, professor from University of Toronto. Honestly, I'm surprised they haven't like suspended him in, like indefinitely. Like just just with how um, they wouldn't be able to. Set, 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 well, there would be so much backlash. Black, backlash now. I mean, who knew that somebody can talk about? Excuse me. Respond. Oh, I got to do a plug now too. This is a Strongbow Apple Ciders Original <laughs> Dry. Uh, I do not know the the brewer, um, <laughs> but uh, yes, black can. It's quite nice actually. I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, it's just just to me, it's amazing. This kind of uh, renaissance of just the kind of long form conversation, and Joe Rogan talks about that all the time. And just people are interested in ideas again, and I think it's because we've been fed these sound bites for so long. It's like 
it's like the ideas that we got were like these prescribed things on 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 the radio where they talk about things for 15 seconds and then they have someone you know give the counter debate for 15 seconds and then they seem like they're just arguing and it's like our our again like our the way that we have been consuming information and popular culture has been has been extremely constricted and with the internet it's it's like this new renaissance of ideas and people are interested in in things that you know we'd never think that they would be interested again the fact that people are reading carl Jung and understanding his ideas to me is just it's really fantastic and it gives me hope that uh you know things aren't regressing as as quickly as as uh, some people think they are so no it is definitely mm-hmm. uh um i'm trying to go with words here it's quite fascinating to see how we are in a society like i don't know like maybe i was just kind of naive to it uh in my earlier 20s um but it seems that there is such a a, 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 a very obvious stance on certain sides, you know, like, like when you go to the, you look at the United States, like the, the ultra right is starting to get some a momentum, especially in some places in Europe as well. And then you also see that the, the ultra left is being really supported by the students um, and like, mm-hmm. and, and it's so obvious. Like, so I, and I, just, I, try, I try to avoid the yeah. news so much, but I notice on like, say shows like South Park, that is really up to times with the current affairs and everything yes. where you have the ultra PC people uh, and the not so PC people that are kind of just like living their lives. And they're just like, Oh, well I didn't mean to say that. Like, is it okay? You know, like, can yeah. I, can I, can I just say exactly. this? And then and then you're like, no, no, you can't say that. That's a microaggression and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, uh, I, it's, I, I, it's, it's interesting too. It's just the way that our language. Like you don't want to naturally offend somebody. Like, right. I, like I, I don't like the mm-hmm. idea of you know, you know, really, really, really hurting someone's feelings or make them uncomfortable or whatever. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like, can can you be a little less offended? Like, can you can you understand where I'm coming from? Where I don't mean that in an offensive way. But the thing is, to me, it's just like having just offense as being the only the only measure by how we determine whether or not speech is good or bad or not. It's like if if you believe that there are certain principles and there are certain rights and wrongs and there are certain truths, um, then and by saying them and by defending them, it's like you should you should you should be happy to offend some people if that if, if you think that their views are are you know uh, backwards or intolerant and it's this idea that we we just have this overinflated sense of tolerance in our society the sense that we we tolerate things that are completely intolerable and should not be tolerated mm. and so i think it's like you have to have some sort of rigor you have to have some sort of con- societal conception of right and wrong to which people prescribe to and people defend otherwise your culture that has no beliefs the old you know if you stand for nothing you fall for everything well i think that in a large perspective in a large sense we've we've allowed ourselves to stand for everything and so we have no stances of our own anymore because Mm. the moment you say that you believe a certain thing you're saying you don't believe a certain set of other things right yeah yeah. and the thing is is that we as a society, as this open society, uh, we don't want to commit to anything. And so we, we commit to everything at the same time. But you can't commit to everything because the moment you assent to one way of thinking, then you're saying that this is the way it is and the other, those other ways are wrong. Mm-hmm. And so in our society, it's basically the stance is no stance in a lot of ways. And so anything goes. Or you have to have a stance, but yeah. be, be uh, adjustable mm-hmm. when we say we yes. say so, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so we tolerate all stances. And, 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 if, and in a way, that's, 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 it's a nice thing. And I'm not saying that we should – and I don't mean this like as this pressure of free speech thing that we should like say some stances shouldn't be spoken about. But I think that we should be able to say that this state of affairs leads to the prosperity of human beings in most cases. And this state of affairs clearly doesn't, right? And so I think that you know, there's certain – uh, there's certain 
ways of being in the world that I think are less conducive to human flourishing than others. And I think that we should be able to speak out against them. So what you're saying is that we should, uh, so what you're saying <laughs> is what, is that we should, what you're saying is the lobsters <laughs> need to be able to speak their mind about things. So what you're saying is that we should take uh, to kill a mockingbird and censor it because they deal with uh, racial issues and, uh, you know, have the N word and everything like that. It's precisely what I'm saying. <laughs> I can't believe it. What's his name there? Uh, he's an English comedian and he, he's, he's actually quite political and John Oliver. No, 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 no. He's more, um, he, uh, you know, I would I would align him closer to with uh, Jordan Peterson. I'll show him after. Um, but he had he had a really good rant on top of a rooftop talking about uh, the grapes of wrath and how it's being censored, or Little House on the Prairie, and really, yeah, British um, politician or uh, British, uh, comedian, uh, comedian, huh. yeah. Um, you know what? I think I think he's on my um, YouTube. I'd like to know list right now, and I, I watch him a few times. A lot of the things I, I think is quite funny, and uh, some of the stuff not so much. And I'm like, eh, well, you know, you're just trying to say yeah. that to get get some laughs. But he talks about yeah. cultural appropriation. He talked about um, uh, mansplaining, which is one I, mm. I, I really <laughs> I get triggered about. <laughs> well, you think you think things are bad here? Things in Britain are just weird. Jonathan Pye. Jonathan. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the thing is, Jonathan Pye, for all intents and purposes. Is he is is more on the left in, in his in his viewpoints, but the thing is, is he allow he he understands kind of the way that people speak and all that stuff, and he's hilarious. I yep. love I love that. I just that's such a great comedy. He, he's he's really good yeah. at the rant, which yeah. I, I I think yeah. when somebody can. Rant he talks really about well. woke comedy. Yeah, that, that, that was yeah. The, that was the mm-hmm. video there yeah. um, about Louis C.K. and just like how someone recorded him, uh, you know, doing his stand up, and it's like it's like of course he's talking about offensive things. Of course he doesn't mean it. It's comedy. Yeah, you idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if if he's just stopped and started, you know, making a speech, then it's just like okay, well, course, now yeah. he's kind of gone the different way. But if That's he's the whole point if he's comedy. if he's saying something, yeah. he's waiting for a reaction. Comedy is like all about you, you look, if if you're a mm. comedian, like like Jim Jeffries. I'm not sure if you ever watched any of his specials, but yeah, he had he had to come out and be like, Jim Jeffries does not approve rape. You know, like how silly is that? How silly is that for like, for somebody to come out in a comedy show and be like, hey, you know, like. And to be offended at a comedy well, they're, show, they're sending people contracts before they go to to their to their sets, yeah. basically saying, and you have to read through it, and it basically says, you know, I will not talk about this, 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 and this, and they, and, and, and and they have what, to agree to that before they, what before they amazing go up. censorship that is, eh? Well, that, that's and that's the funny thing, and this is exactly what so Louis, can, this you, is what Louis C.K. was saying. He was saying that 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 the uh, the kind of out, the outrage culture where liberalism used to be about, you know, allowing people to be free and to be able to say what they want and express themselves mm-hmm. because they thought, you know, there was this conservative, uh, this conservative uh, tradition and state of affairs that was not allowing people to express themselves in a certain way. And now they've become the ones that are telling, you know, what you can and can't say. Yeah. And like Louis C.K., what did he get in trouble for? It was like the whole thing he was saying was that when he was a kid, you know, they would go out and they were doing shrooms and they were doing drugs and they were, you know graffiti and all this stuff and like the, the you know the older people were like you gotta get your shit together right and he's like now now it's just like the younger generation they're just they're, they're saying like you can't say that and you're not that. like it's like they're like the old people now it's like it's like it's so it's so backwards, it's, backwards it's, yeah. it's, it's like the the little millennials are just they're 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 the they're the ones you know they're the the old people in the window shaking their finger at the kids riding their BMXs outside. Like it's 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 it's, it's such a reversal of, of affairs. It's it's like this this new puritanism mm-hmm. that's coming from the left, and like you know this is a, a touchy subject to get on is like the Me Too movement, which in a lot of ways I think uh, was warranted in a lot of ways. Uh, I can see you. He's like, <laughs> just, oh, don't just, talk about just, this. Yep. No, no, I don't care if uh, you talk about. It. I uh, just want to yeah. like also reiterate. Yep. People, these are just 
opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're just discussing them. If you really have, I'm not going to say it, something too too controversial because I agree with me too. Um, I agree with you know to a certain extent to a certain to a certain extent. I don't yes. agree with like the witch hunt surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, but what I want to say in this instance is it's just to what we were just saying about with Louis C.K. and all that stuff. Which what he did was was reprehensible. I mean, like masturbating to girls behind the like that's bad behavior. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, we're not condoning on, that, like, yeah. and that should men should not be doing this with women. But the problem now is is because of the these kind of things. Is like women are actually not getting jobs in workplaces because the men don't want to be alone in a room with them because they're afraid that if they close the door, then they're going to be accused of sexual assault. And so now there's this fear all the time of, of accusation mm-hmm. in, in this culture. And I don't think that's that's good for people as well. So again, it's like it's all about moderation. It's like yes, there are issues with the relationships between men and women, and mm-hmm. and, and you know those kind of things are, are absolutely horrible. But the thing is, we have to stick to kind of like our evidence-based way of figuring things out. And we have to have a measured response and treat every individual case, uh, you know, responsibly and, and, and get, you know, proper evidence to figure out who who is an offender and who isn't. Otherwise, we're going to have this hysteria go around. And it's going to be back to the days where you have to have a chaperone to go outside. Mm. You know, where you're dating and you need to have a third party to to as proof to make sure that there was no foul play. And so I think as adults, none of us want that. And so we need to kind of make sure that that's not the path that we're going down. And I can say that as, um, when I, you know, as a bouncer in my, in my history, oh, of, I didn't know that employment. Yep. yep. Uh, I, that was one of the things I was most worried about. Uh, cause if I had to break up a fight between mm-hmm. anybody, um, you know, it, there's, there's, there's well, one, there's a lot of, he said, she said, or she said, mm-hmm. he said, uh, where, you know, it, it, some chicks like, Oh, well he's harassing me or something like that. Well, is he really harassing you or is he just kind of being a little bit, uh, annoying and kind of like a hopeless romantic where he's just like, Oh, can I buy you a drink? And it's like, no, get away from me, creep. And it's like, okay, well, fine. Uh, you know, which whatever, if you're being bothered and you're being bothered, but, um, then you're like, okay, well, man, like, I don't know, I guess I have to kick you out, you know, if she's telling me that you're doing these terrible things and, you know, and like, who do you fucking believe when people are drinking, right? Like I'm not monitoring how many drinks they're doing or they're having because I'm looking after the door. Um, or, uh, if I'm breaking up a fight and I have to grab somebody, uh, and if I say I'm having, I have to pull a woman off a guy because she's beaten up her boyfriend because he did something stupid, which I've seen before. I never, I never had to do this, but I would, I would worry if I grabbed her, like say I put my hands around her a waist or something like that. And I just pull, um, or I put my, wrap my arms around her and pull her like up and kind of like move. It's like, oh, well, he touched me. He grabbed my ass or grabbed my breasts or whatever like that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. No, I didn't. Please, like, <laughs> please tell the truth and uh, don't don't uh, get me in any trouble because I'm just trying to, you know, protect this one guy that obviously did something stupid. Like, maybe he does deserve to get this beating. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's my mm-hmm. job to make sure that this doesn't happen and you mm-hmm. guys can resolve it a different manner. And then at the end of the day or the end of the night, I would have to bring a female staff member with me to the women's bathroom and keep the door open. And I would be like, Hey, is there anybody in here? Or she would do a clean, a clean sweep of the, of the washroom mm-hmm. because uh, I can't go in there because I might take advantage of somebody that might be passed out or whatever. Right? As a paramedic, that was a huge fear for me having teenage girls in the back uh, who were like overly intoxicated and yeah. having to treat them. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm working with a male partner. Yeah. And it's like, I'm in the back of this ambulance, you know, having to like to treat, right? So yeah. you have to, you have to, you know, do like a secondary survey and all these things. Right. Yeah. 
and I'm just I was terrified of, yeah. of just being accused of things to the extent that um, in in a couple of instances I won't get into it, but I didn't really do my job to the full extent. Mm-hmm. It was in, I mean it was it was a it was a rape case, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to kind of like investigate to see if that was you know if there any signs of of fourth century and all that stuff, and I just didn't want to do it, yeah. right? And I got reamed out of the hospital for not doing it, right? But the thing is, is like it just looks bad. It's like you know what I mean. To, to, to this that kind of thing. So I, I understand that fear, and I think I think a lot of men are afraid of being uh, seen as as sexual offenders or yeah. being seen as coming off in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think most men uh, are overreacting to this whole thing, and rather than you know go out and and attempt to have relationships with women, they're just cutting that off entirely. And I think that that's you know that's that's not what we want. We yeah. don't want people to, to the sexes to be segregating themselves again. And I think that this whole thing you know with Jordan Peterson and this idea of, of talking about men and men's issues and all this stuff. It's like I don't think that good moral virtuous men who have taken the time to think about men's issues are the ones that uh, that you know are raping and sexually assaulting women. And we should be encouraging men to finding their masculine strength again because I think it's the I think it's the men. That uh, have lost that 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 connection to masculinity. Maybe they didn't have proper male role models, or maybe they didn't have something like that. Or the negative role model where it's that like become, you need to toughen the fuck up. They become you know? frustrated. Suck it up. And they don't have the tools to to deal with women appropriately, mm-hmm. and they don't have the tools and the confidence to ask a woman on a date or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they get this desperation, right? And then they have to do it in in very sly kind of ways where it's like maybe they you know you know they're pretending to be their best friend and they're not being you're not they're not being fully honest about their intentions and then things escalate and then they you know there's misconceptions about you know what the relationship is and that leads to these awkward scenarios where people mm-hmm. are feeling sexually assaulted whereas yep. i don't think that strong moral men who live by kind of like a code of chivalry which used to be like honor and respect women yep. and tell them you know going up and be like hey i'm interested in you would you like to you know what i mean yeah. all this stuff i think we're losing that because we are maligning and villainizing masculinity. I think one of the biggest things, if you talk to any woman, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, one of the best attributes for a man to have is confidence. And well, what is masculine confidence? You know, to mm-hmm. be able to approach and say, "Hey, I like you." You know, like I would like to get to know you more. Can exactly. I? Can I take yeah. you on a date sometime? Mm-hmm. Or you know, mm-hmm. in some aspect, taking charge. I, I I've always wondered, and I, I actually find it fascinating. Like, and I ask sometimes mm-hmm. if I am with a, a, a female. It's like, so, like, what do you like? Do you like it when a guy asks you if he can, like, kiss you? Or he just, you know, like, takes charge and does that? Like, like I honestly want to know. And, it, like, obviously it's going to be a, a different answer every time. And it's going to be a different situation every time. It all depends, right? You know? And some guys, you know, like, I've been there before. Like, I've gotten the wrong feel where I lean in and, like, back off. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, no, I'm just not there yet. And then maybe the next date or the next date after. Then you – then then that happens, Right. So it, it's all about reading the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to say, if you listen to Joe Rogan podcast, uh, <laughs> shameless plug again, like, oh, fuck, that's a great podcast. Uh, there's the one with Brett Weinstein and his wife. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, um, you know, millennials. How, how do millennials have sex? You know, you know, they start doing this. And it's like, is that okay? And like for 10 seconds, it's like, is that okay? Is this still okay? I saw, is this still okay? I saw one where it's like I, it, it, your I, lawyers I, have to meet first. Yeah, they like have this whole contract yeah, and like totally. mm-hmm, I'll give you blowjob if you give me this. And no, 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 that's too much. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. we'll settle on this. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's and like yeah. that was one. We'll settle on where, ten seconds of oral, not fifteen. And could that actually happen? You know. And then there's the the European. Uh, a lot of European women are at the point where it's just like 
you are ruining men because like a lot of European women, uh, apparently, I don't know, I haven't looked at the stats or anything or heard any like uh, tales. <laughs> I haven't asked the females in my family in uh, Austria and Czech Republic how they feel about it. But like at least uh, I've heard it from the French um, the females from a mm-hmm. podcast where they're mm-hmm. talking about it, where they say, uh, you know, like you guys, North America is ruining men for us because they're not just taking charge anymore. There's not that romantic passion that we stereotype French couples to have, right? Where they have the slap and the fight or, uh, the, the, the Hispanic people or the Spanish people or the Italian women and the Italian men where they, they have the fight and then they have the act of passion where they, you know, make out and they have many Catholic babies. <laughs> well, what I, what I think about this in regard to what you're saying here, and to me, this just seems like a, a, a feminist standpoint, um, to, to, to think that women can look after themselves to a large degree and that they're strong enough to advocate for themselves and they're strong enough to, to allow it to be trusted to kind of go out into the world and meet people and, and, and look out for their own interests. And the thing is, is I think this whole idea, it's like that, you know, they're weak, helpless, meek people who are just being taken advantage all the time is just eliminating this kind of power that I think that, uh, I think. Have- so you're saying that this is what it's turning into, that women are helpless and meek and. Well, that's the idea okay. that it's becoming. And yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. So they you need, know, I, I mean, the obviously. Traditional, um, yeah. almost babysitting. Babies, exactly. Yeah. And they need the state or they need some sort of like, okay. you know, university body to be like, hey, there's a curfew now at 11 p.m. when mm-hmm. you need to be back and all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like. That to me is not pro- pro- progress. That to yeah. me is like a, it's a regress. It's a, like, that's like a it's a nan- it's a nanny state. It's a taking away. Like we're adults here. Where you and should- like I think that you know, um, obviously, and again, this might be a controversial opinion, but but I think that you know we're we're a sexually, I think it's a dysmorphic uh, species. So men are generally larger than women, and we can overpower them and all that stuff. And that needs to be taken into account. Yep. Uh, Ronda Rousey would kick my ass. Don't. No, fuck yeah. <laughs> not said, I'm not saying that this is the case with she every She could kick probably most men's asses. Exactly. That, that aren't in um, the sport for sure. And so, yeah, okay. But the thing is, is like, I think women just know not to get themselves in those kind of situations. And I think we have to give them more credence for their ability to look after themselves and know what they want. Right? I would say it definitely goes into other things mm-hmm. too, because maybe they are afraid that, you know, like, oh, if I don't agree to this, then, um, and like this is, these, these are, uh, two white males that are speaking right now. I was now about, about to this. Say, <laughs> I wasn't going to say the white you know, part. This is, this is all, this is all, <laughs> this is, yeah, I yeah, guess, two, I guess two, white doesn't matter. It's two, it's two men speaking about, uh, you know, how women might feel, how women might feel. But the thing is, is that, there, there is no such thing as women's issues and men's issues. Uh, they're, they're not inseparable from each other because women's issues are defined by the masculine perspective and the masculine perspective is, is defined by the women perspective when it comes to this sort of thing. And so that's why I don't think it's necessary to give a preamble to talking about this because well, we're talking about from the masculine we're, – we're talking about the, the masculine perspective of the feminine situation and mm-hmm. we admit to that and there's going to be a different perspective on the other side. So. Exactly. I can yeah. say it better than, my, than myself. But we, we, we can talk about women's issues – uh, and how they relate to the, the the concept of being a man, essentially, and that's that, that's kind of the the context in which this conversation is taking place. I think, Very well I think said. that's okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so just remember that for the next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I really think that there should be a point where there should be no awkward feelings about expressing yourself and how you feel and what you what you feel is comfortable and what you don't feel is comfortable 100%. you know and so if and you're going to make mistakes if, if, if i lean in for a kiss yeah. and you're saying yeah. whoa not not today mr like no yeah. like I'm, I try, I'm trying not to you know hopefully you're not upset or anything like that uh but not right now let's maybe do it later or something like that i'm like okay yeah no problem hey i'm sorry i read that situation wrong i just think you're really great so far mm-hmm. um yeah no let's let's take it another date another date another date like then see where it goes from there and like the thing is i want 
to and, and what we need to do is yeah. we need to teach our kids, both right. young young women and young men, mm-hmm. about that. You know, tell women, mm-hmm. hey, let people know what you want. If you don't want to be touched, tell them you don't want to be touched. Men, yeah. if you hear a woman say that she doesn't want to be touched, respect that. Respect it. And yes. also, 100%. if you don't want to be touched as a young man, tell the woman that you don't want to be touched. Exactly. You know, it goes it both it ways. Goes, goes 100%. Both and that's one, yeah. always, I think that's one thing I always remember. And it's yeah. like, there has been a time where I've been like, no, I don't want mm-hmm. to, please. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been drugged. I was in New Zealand and I was drugged at a bar. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had a buddy. <laughs> Thank God. I just met him. Um, and we had this woman that came up and she wanted to buy us some drinks. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm naive 20 year old kid from Canada. Ooh. And she bought me one beer. Mm-hmm. I already had two beer at the time. So she bought me one mm-hmm. and then she got me another one. Uh, and I was just like, okay. And I had probably about five beer at the time and I was wasted. I was so like, I didn't know left to right kind of thing. And my buddy that I just met, he took me back up to the hostel and made sure that I got to bed and no, my butt didn't hurt in the morning, <laughs> but no, I was fine. And he was like, man, are you okay? I'm like, oh man, if I can feel this is like the worst hangover I've ever had in my two years of drinking alcohol legally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was like one of 10 times, you know, uh, no, no, it was much more than that. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, what happened? Like, I don't remember so much. And he's just like, yeah, this is, this is what happened and shit like that. I'm like, well, thankfully the guy had a guy that, you know, I met and he's friendly. I, I still talk with him to this day. He's a funny guy. Um, and he's just like, yeah, this is what happened. So I, you know, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but I would, I, I find it really hard to believe that I was drinking Stein lager beer you know, the, the equivalent of Molson Canadian in New Zealand. And I had five of them and I felt like I had 12 drinks, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, 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 it's weird. So mm-hmm. there is a point where you yeah. need to understand like, Hey, this I is- think, I think consent is obviously a very important issue. And I, and, and I think consent is, is, is a hundred percent necessary, mm-hmm. but I think that consent can be more than words. Uh, body language. What do they say? I don't know if this is an accurate stat, but, Body language is like ninety percent of communication, and so it's like, yeah. you know, you know, when you're when you're jiving with someone, and you know, you get the, you look down at the lips, they look down at your lips, and there's a smile. You know what I mean? That that there can be something consensual, or like a just, long look, or like in a long look of longing, and all that yeah. stuff. And so it's like yeah. it doesn't need to be verbalized. But the thing is, like back to uh, I, I indicated. It's actually really interesting to like read yeah. into like mm-hmm. um, uh, gestures or um, body yeah. language and stuff, like brushing mm-hmm. the hair, right? Um, a guy like you know stroking his uh, chin or something like that, or like the arms crossed. Or You've been doing that the entire time we've been speaking yeah, oh, it's, actually, it's quite interesting and actually, <laughs> I, think I've, I think I'm developing a pimple underneath my oh my, oh, my chin underneath my beard so I've been kind of touching that and like mm-hmm. yeah if I keep touching it then it, it, that's surely yeah. I'll be able to you know mm-hmm. that'll, that'll go down so uh, no I, I usually I do rub my beard a lot when I'm talking to somebody it's like the, the token like hmm interesting indeed quite and like the thing oh, I what, sorry what, I wanted, what I wanted to talk about is just the idea of consent it's like and, and the reason why we're having trouble I think is because we've eliminated the framework to which the traditional framework to which we used to organize relations between men and women and we can say that a lot of it was oppressive and you know like arranged marriages and those sort of things and i'm not advocating for that but there was a period i think i don't know like 1700s 1600s the romantic period maybe it was a little bit later and the whole idea was like men would dress up and they would go and they would stand you know they would stand outside her her window and they would like recite a poem or something imagine doing that nowadays yeah. <laughs> but the thing and i know it sounds ridiculous but the thing is is like there's this extended uh courtship that would happen and a court and courtship had had like these rules and like mm-hmm. you would they would people they would have these dances and then you would you know you would dance and like there would be like you barely touch each other and you're swinging around and then and then it's like it's all it was more obvious the the 
strategy and the steps it would take to initiate a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is there's more skin in the game. Whereas today it's like, everything's just kind of wishy-washy and we, we don't really have any clear rules or boundaries. And you know, it's just Tinder and, 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 uh, well, mind you as well, like, yeah. uh, any time before, uh, I would say 1900, mm-hmm. it was more so just get married to have babies and procreate. I think whether, that, whether it was like for survival yeah. or, I think that's true among, uh, the more like common peasantry. Um, yeah. but maybe not like what they would consider the middle class. Like people, I think that there was a little bit more, a little bit more to it than that. Uh, you know, in the earlier period, I think, uh, in earlier times. And I'm, what I'm just trying to say is that like, um, freedom is an excellent thing and we're very free in our society. But the thing is freedom comes at the cost of, of having, uh, um, benchmarks or predetermined instructions for how to go about uh, a successful life. And so it's like, we're all free. Uh, but do we have the skills and the, and the, and the proper education to be able to go and navigate our lives mm-hmm. in a way that uh, was obvious to people who had a more traditional framework? And that's just what I'm trying to say around the consent issue is that there was more obvious mechanisms that you would go, you know, you would go, you'd talk to the parents right away first and be like, hey, look, that's It was daughter. very, very and, obvious. And then you would get a, a message in return being like, you know, we think that you're you know, an adequate s- suitor, right? Yeah. And then you would go and then there's no guesswork. Yep. And like, I think everything has become guesswork now, essentially. Oh, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And mixed signals and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know, and so like there's, there's been... inevitably going to be miscommunications. There's yeah. inevitably going to be, um, there's going to be, you know, errant misadventures of love in our society and, yeah. and, and we're going to hear about them. That's but... why we have, you know, rom-coms all the time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Like that's, well, there's a whole fucking genre about it. Right. But I mean, people are still having positive, uh, connections and relationships and, and they're navigating it just fine. And, and I think we're trying to figure out what that means in a world where we have social media and the internet, which we've had for like 20 years, and how much that is changing everything and de- destabilizing everything. And and, the, and I think we're kind of in a very tumultuous time right now, just trying to like figure out what that means, you know, mm-hmm. to have access to every single person in the goddamn city on an app in your phone. Uh, whereas beforehand it was like, oh, I got this, I live in this small town and there's 10 women my age yeah. and uh, I've dated three of them and I'm going to marry the third one. Cause yeah. she's, you know, it's like, that's, I mean, it's the thing. She, she lives like, on the same street as yes. me. But when you have an in- a deli shop together, infinite choice to me, it leads to, um, being able not to make a decision. And there's a philosopher, philosopher called Kierkegaard. And he says that we, we get kind of run in, in two ways. Uh, we get paralyzed by the infinite. So that's, we have an infinite amount of choice. And so we can never make a decision. And eventually you have to make a leap of faith and you have to be like, I'm going to do this career. I'm going to marry this person. And by making that decision, you're closing off all the other options. Mm -hmm. And that creates a lot of anxiety. And we want to always have that choice. Or if you have a selective amount, you're willing to invest more time into those. Like say there's only Mm -hmm. 10 women that you're allowed to date Mm -hmm. uh, date or marry or something like that. You're going to take your time to Mm -hmm. really get to know each one and then eventually make a choice. Like The Bachelor. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But the problem with this is, is like, what's happening is with, with our culture is we're going longer and longer and longer into life before we settle down and have committed, committed relationships and families. Um, and the thing is, is like there's, there's a window and the window is different between men and women and people don't want to accept this. But the thing is, is like we're being told women are being told in their twenties to have fun and just do what you want and be independent and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you wait too long, 
it becomes, and you finally decide you want to settle down and have a family, right? Then it can be more difficult, right? They're, they're, they're always reminded of a biological yeah. clicking, sorry, ticking talk. Right. right? Ticking clock. Exactly. <laughs> and like the thing is for men, it's the same thing too, right? I'm not saying that there's a, there's a difference. There's, there is different for both of them. When are you going to settle down and have stability in your life? Yeah. You run, run, run around mm-hmm. enough, you know, blah, blah. Not saying that you, sh- that you, sh- that you shouldn't be free and you live shouldn't your go and live your life, man. Live your, exactly. Anybody, anybody. Live your, no, live your life. hundred percent. Yeah. But recognize that you can be paralyzed by the infinite and you're not going to be, you know, in your twenties for forever. And like, you know, time, time goes on eventually. And as you, as you go through, as you go through life, um, all those options start to narrow down and maybe the options that you're left with are not the ones that you would have otherwise chosen, uh, you know, a decade earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it can be a bit of a musical chairs game. And the other way that we're, sometimes we're limited is he says we get paralyzed by the finite. And, uh, so that's kind of like where you, like for instance, I wanted to be a doctor for the longest time, but it was probably because of scrubs on TV and everyone telling me that doctor was the profession that, you know, had all the prestige, right? So you, so I went to school for biology to eventually become a doctor, which is something I'm actually really not that interested in. So my choice was made for me. Yeah. So, and I feel that too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, like ever since I was 12, I wanted to be an RCMP officer, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, you know, do I really want to do that? And I have my uncle up, mm-hmm. up Island here and he does, um, you know, remind me that it is still a possibility. I'm still thinking like, well, yeah, like I love the idea of serving people and helping them out and everything, mm. but, but at the same time, is that what I really want to do? And so you really have to take your time and really look and reflect and think, you know, it is always nice to have outside um, support or crit- criticism or suggestion, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you really have to look to yourself and think about what you really want to do and what really makes you happy. Exactly. But the thing is, what, what I guess what I'm trying to say is that what necessarily, what we're told that's going to make us happy a lot of times is is freedom and no responsibility right and the thing is is like i think that makes can make us or happy safe. For, a, for a time or safety or safety oh, like, oh right? don't, don't do the rest just you know that that's yeah. a really easy job to get mm-hmm. and you should just yeah. do that for exactly reasons. and like and, and the problem with that though is is that um we're, we might be missing out on kind of the joy of life which comes from taking on responsibility and taking on yeah. a, a role in life yeah. uh, that requires you to work hard and requires you to settle down and not yeah. have all those options totally and again I'm, I'm feeling that right now it's like I'm, I just got a full-time job and uh, I'm thinking oh my god I got two weeks of vacation every year yeah I'm not going to be able to go and do that Australia trip again no. and, and recreate that unless I were to quit the job not right? for a while not least, for a while you know so. like maybe uh, all of a sudden you have a mm-hmm. career change at, uh, at 40 exactly and so, you're like okay well I'm 40 now but then who knows right. where you're at that time but I'm going through that whole situation where it's like the infinite has collapsed down to the finite and that's great it provides stability it allows me to make an income and it makes it allows me to work along a track towards something um, but I'm kind of lamenting and going through a period of kind of mourning over the options that have collapsed and disappeared to mm-hmm. me by, by making a decision. And I think a lot of us uh, kind of mourn that kind of freedom, but we all have to make a decision eventually. And it doesn't mean you can't change and you have to stay, stick to that, to that situation. But as time goes on, your choices change and opportunity, you have a ton of opportunity when you're young. And I think the opportunity does change as you get older. And so I think it's important to kind of recognize that. And on that note, we're at the two hour mark. Wow, that went by. So you can, you can yeah. really hear in yeah. each hour how we talk about, oh, fun in Australia and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, all right, this is opinion. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks. Here. Um, <laughs> it was really easy to butter you up there. No, yeah. Again, it's, uh, it's uh, really nice to, to talk with you on, in this format. Um, and I hope I haven't, you know, robbed your listeners the wrong way in anything I've said. No, I think everything um, has been okay so far. And we, yeah. I, hopefully we explained ourselves enough. And mm-hmm. it's a big... 
whatever reason got offended by that, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you got offended, but uh, probably not. Yeah, and, I, the, and the other thing too <laughs> is, is like, it's like you as a listener, do think don't, you know, you're not, you're not a weak person. You can hear things that, that disagree with you mm-hmm. and you can, you can choose to, you know, to not let it bother you at yeah. the same time. You're like, well, I don't agree with that, yeah. but the rest of the podcast was funny. Hopefully <laughs> it was fun. really I really, greatly enjoyed it. So yeah. Um, and I uh, look forward to meeting your friends tomorrow and having a healthy debate about some of these issues and me too, and, man. Uh, I think it'll into... be a really good time. Mm-hmm. We're meeting up at a, a kombucha bar. So, Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah. I'm meeting up with him tonight for, uh, you know, right. to record at the kombucha bar. And then I'm, I think uh, tomorrow. How stare Stereotypically island of you. I know, right? <laughs> and then I'll come over here. So uh, if you want, we'll bring you some kombucha. <laughs> I'm not sure how much you're into it. I've had a few. I've had ginger because ginger is just delicious in every yeah. every sense of the way. Um, but yes, yes. So uh, thank you very much, everyone. This was the Awkward Throat Clear with uh, Lane Palmer. <clears throat> um, so we'll be back. Uh, the next episode will be with Brendan. And then after that, we'll have Brendan and Lane together. And we'll see where that goes. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. We'll just kind of like let the flow go. We'll let you guys talk to each other. And then we'll get on some issues, I'm sure. Um, you know, and I'll try to be the moderator. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if the the boxing gloves come on. I doubt it. I doubt it. You both are pretty uh, chill people. You know, just as long as Brendan has his coffee or kombucha in his hand, you we know. can make sure that that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Larry Lane. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>